Welcome to day three at the NFL Combine, our final live two-hour show. Big Blue kickoff live from Indianapolis. This is all presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, and leading off day three, one of the old school voices covering the National Football League, that is Pete Prisco I mean, from CBS Sports. one of the CBS old guys. Sports. Is that what you're saying? One of the old guys. I, I'm well, okay with that. I was telling Paul... He, this is his dream show. He's, he loves old school football guys like you, Pete, who have been doing this a real long time. And how has this event changed oh since the beginning? Because, I mean, I started coming probably around six years ago, and I know how different it was then. I can only imagine for somebody like you. Well, the Crown Plaza Hotel is where the players stay right over here. Yeah. When I started coming to the Combine, the media events were in the lobby of that hotel. So wow. they'd, bring a, they'd bring a couple players down here and there, and they'd sit around, and maybe four or five guys would sit there with them. That's, that's how the combine was for me when I first started. I remember chasing Steve McNair out of there uh, one year because he, 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 the Jaguars might have picked him, and I was covering the Jaguars, and I ran after him. And uh, that's how this combine has changed so much. It's so much structure, more structured now. And I think I heard a number 1,400 credentials were yeah. issued this year. Yeah, it's 1,400. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but, I mean, if you if – you, Tomorrow, you said on Bobby's draft site, they'd credential you. That's what it's become. I mean, seriously. So, but, but it's great, though. The bigger, the better. I mean, you know, the, the league has taken this and made it a big event. And this is a great spot for it. You know, I keep hearing they might be moving this to Los Angeles in a couple of years. I hope not. Me too, because I think this is a perfect – look, the weather's not good, but it's a perfect spot. Well, let me ask you this. What are the things you like better about it now from the time when it started? And what are the things that you kind of wish didn't change? Well, I think it's become much more keep the media away from everybody than it yeah, used to it be. Yeah, really it mean, really you know, has. It really is. We used to be able to stand in the hallways. In fact, they used to have the media room in the hallway back over here, but the traffic, all the coaches and personnel people would all walk right by it, so everybody used to stand out in the hallway, and they realized that real quickly that that wasn't the way to go. <laughs> they moved them out of there. So then they moved us to the to the stadium remember yep. we were in the stadium for a while and kind of never saw anybody and now they moved this over here so it's kind of like they keep moving you further and further away from where you need to be but nowadays if you just pop out in that hallway everybody walks through there yeah because they're all walking to the stadium which right. you have to bring right by right. the room all right this draft starts with the first pick pete how seriously should we take the cardinals possibly moving on from josh rosen this year with their steve kimes for now, quote from the other day. <laughs> yeah, and I talked to Steve after that, and he said, look, they're committed to Josh Rosen. And, and, and do I believe him? Uh, yeah, I do. I, and I've known Steve a long time. I, I think they're going to you know, gonna play with Josh Rosen. Look, Cliff Kingsbury made that comment way back when he was getting ready to a play. A long time him, ago. Right, and, and, and he might like him, but Cliff Kingsbury's not calling the shots there. You know, they hired his staff for him. I mean, they, they brought in his staff for him. So You're right about he that. Can't even, he can't even make, you know, hire his own staff, so he's not calling the shots. But – Look, I'm sure they're going to do the work on all the quarterbacks. And ideally, I think they wouldn't mind getting out of that spot and trading back out of there because, uh, you know, is there a big difference between Nick Bosa and Brian Burns or Nick Bosa and, and Polite and if you traded down and got extra picks? So uh, I think they're trying to drum up a little bit of interest as well. As far as Kyler Murray, what if he was five foot eight yesterday? You know, everybody always sits here and says, oh, the height doesn't matter. So if he was five foot eight, would it have mattered? So height does matter. It does. Then. Sure, it does. Absolutely. And, and anybody who doesn't think that a quarterback at six three isn't better suited to play the position than a five ten guy is, is misguided. And it's funny. I, I love your battles with Charles Robinson on Twitter about Russell Wilson. And I think you do as good as Russell Wilson is, and he's become an elite level NFL quarterback. There are times when he's in the pocket and he has to bail because I don't think he can see. 
He and right, and he takes deep drops. Too. A very deep drops. Yeah, he's one of the mm-hmm. deepest droppers in the league. But uh, you know, I've come around a little bit on Russell Wilson. I even told him that, but. I, I, no doubt I was his biggest critic because I didn't think he was that good. Well, I, and I don't think he was great when he first started. But now he's, he's, beca- exactly. now he's the yeah, guy. Yeah, now sure. he's, hey, look, he had the top scoring defense in the league for four straight years. The last, the last team to do that was the uh, Dynasty Browns in the 50s. I mean, you, you know, it's easy to play quarterback when you have that kind of defense. Sure. So, uh, but he's evolved. It, and I always say this. That with those guys like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and uh, even Steve Young, it starts here when you're younger. You're, you're the way you handle the position. And you get older and you get slower and you take some shots and it eventually it all moves here and it all comes back to right here in the middle. And if you can't make those plays in the pocket consistently, you're not going to be a sustainable success at the quarterback position. You're just not. And it's funny. I was watching a football life for, I believe it was Steve Young, and he talked about how when he was a younger player and he was trying to battle back and you know take Joe Montana's job, you know, the coach would say, why didn't you make that throw? And he goes, coach, I didn't see it. And he talked about how he had to train himself to throw blind and throw to where the player was supposed to be open based on the defensive scheme and the route without even seeing if the guy was open. That's why it's difficult for some of these guys that are smaller. Drew Brees told me two years ago, he said in two years ago, in that season, he threw over 100 passes where he didn't see the guy. And I asked him, I said, how do you, how do, you do that? And he said, I rep so much with the receiver that we know if we see X coverage that he's going here and I'm throwing it there. That if we see Y coverage, he's going there and I'm throwing it there. Never saw him. That's the kind of amazing ability he has. Now, if Kyler Murray gets to that, he's going to be a star. Absolutely. But that's a big if. You have to, that, you know, Drew Brees had a lot of that when he came out. I'm not sure. At Oklahoma, if you watch the tape of Kyler Murray, there are guys wide open all the time. Mm-hmm. Wide open. And, and I always say, if, if there's a throw that the quarterback makes that I could make, then I don't count it in my evaluation. So if he stands up and throws a quick screen to the guy on the outside, a bubble screen, Who cares? and the guy runs for 60 yards, that doesn't count. I erase that. And, and some of that is because his, his ability to run creates the, the open receivers and stuff. But in the NFL... The windows, you guys know, the windows shrink. Mm-hmm. you, you got to be able to fit it in the tight windows. I don't know if he can. Well, let me ask you this about Murray, and you're right, Pete. No matter what height he came in at, there were going to be headlines, whether he was a little too so- short or a little too tall or whatever the case may be. But here's the thing for me. Regardless of a height situation, you've got to run the kind of system that his skills are suited for. Otherwise, height doesn't matter. If you don't run that kind of offense – you don't want him, period. I agree. You're going to have to cater your offense to him. He's going to have to get outside the pocket. You're going to have to run. The, it's going to be shotgun. It's going to be a lot of runs out of the shotgun. And you're right. Exactly. I, I think that's – that's. look, Lamar Jackson, they catered the offense to him. Then when he had to throw, he couldn't throw. you got to be able to throw in this league. It's got to be consistently be able to get in the pocket and make the throws. Now, you can gimmick up some stuff. It happens. But eventually the gimmicks get caught up, and it goes back to what the game uh, – how the game is played. This isn't college football. You know, it's, it's not like – you have two guys that can flat-out fly. In the NFL, everybody can run. So yeah. if you're a fast quarterback, you know, the RG3 thing. And I'm, I'll relate it back to the New York fans who like this. Where would Charlie Ward get drafted right now if he was in this draft? Remember Charlie Ward? He was a, question. ran around, played up-tempo. He ran, he mm-hmm. threw it, he was, but he mm-hmm. was small. He was five foot eleven or whatever he was. But Charlie Ward, is he much different than, than Kyler Murray? Probably not. Not really. No. But so 
Charlie Ward had to go play basketball. And, he, you know, he, he made that decision because he wasn't going to be a high draft pick. So I think we have a better idea of what Haskins is going to be, right? He's more of a traditional NFL like pocket Haskins. passer. How do you compare him to Murray? Who do you like more? And, and, and how do you project Haskins to the pro? I like Haskins more. I think Haskins is prototypical, stand in the pocket, sure uh, shuffle his feet, move from rush, and make the throws. And he goes through his reads. I mean, this is a kid. He only started one year, and he's already getting, you know, one, two, three. He gets to the three reads. And so, he got better as the year went along, yes, too. I, I yes, like, I like him. And now, is he – an elite guy like Andrew Luck was when he came out and those kind of guys, no. But he's plenty capable of being a quality quarterback who can hold uh, the position for a long time and carry a franchise. You know what's interesting, though, Pete? And I want to walk up with something you just said a few minutes ago when you said if you could make the throw, you're not going to give the prospect credit for making the throw. Haskins threw to a bunch of guys who were wide open, and he also threw at consistently the worst defensive back on the field. Now, that's what he had to do to get Ohio State to win games. Right. So I don't want to penalize him for that, but I'm not going to look at his stats and say these stats are legit because they are very inflated. I, I, I was I was telling people the other day on one of our shows, I had an NFL corner watch tape of Haskins with me, and he's like, I'm picking that off. I'm picking that one off. I'm picking that one off. I'm knocking that one down. Look at the guy he's throwing against, and he's one, – one time there was a game where he picked on some poor schmuck like eight times in the game. Eight, and he was eight for eight. And my, my corner laughed, and he goes, that guy he just picked on, he's not even going to play in the Alliance. He's like, what does well, that yeah, tell me? I, yeah, I get it, but you should see some of the games that Murray played when he was, like he played Texas, right? The first the game was like 50s, in the 50s. I think both teams were in the 50s. There wasn't a bit of defense play in the game. Right. Nobody, and so it's hard. So how, it, do, it you, how do you well, re- I, I grade it, them legitimately? Like, if I grade that play like you're talking about, did he go through his progressions to get there when he mm. makes those throws? In other words, does he come back into the pocket? Does he influence the safety with his eyes and then come back and pick on the bad corner? That would be a positive. In so my you're mind. looking for something different than the actual completion. Correct. I would look and see if if he's if he knows that he's got that guy in a bad situation over there on the bad corner. Does he somehow come back and keep his eyes to the if he's going to the left, keep his eyes to the right to make the safety take a step that way so he knows he can pick on the corner on the Fair outside. Fair enough. And I think you did see has I saw at least Haskins do he that, moves. especially late in the year. Absolutely. How many teams do you think Pete might? trade down out of that top five for a team that might want a quarterback. Do you think those guys are both going to be gone in the top five? Will a team reach for them? What's your feel for how the trade market might work ahead of the Giants at six? Yeah, I think Jacksonville's in play at seven. I I do. Um, You know, people have linked them to Nick Foles. Sure. From what I hear, and I know that building very well, there are people that want Nick Foles. I'm not sure Tom Coughlin does. And Tom Coughlin has the juice. Oh, sure he does. He has all the juice. He, he's always Trust me, the, we know. He always oh, has the I juice. Know, believe me. I covered him in Jacksonville. He was my guy. It was me and him for five years. It was a real experience, believe me. Uh, he's I the love best. the guy. Oh, we I love, love Tom. We love Tom. I love Absolutely. the guy. But, boy, he's a pain in the ass to cover. I'll tell you that. Uh, but and, by the way, he takes pride in that, too, oh, by the way. He does. He does. There's no doubt about it. But he, he has a little more juice, so he could draft – a young quarterback right, and still be around where the coach and the GM, if it doesn't work this year, they might not be around. So some people are leaning, I think, to Nick Foles, taking a run at it because they still got a good defense. And the other people are thinking maybe they go get Haskins and move up and maybe even ahead of the Giants to go get him. What happens to Derek Carr? There are so many people yeah, who think question. that Gruden and the Raiders, not a good fit there. Something's got to break. And then, of course, the other day we hear, I guess, Mayock said, well, he's a franchise quarterback. I think they're keeping him. Uh, they have so many 
needs on that team that I, I don't think they can. Now, they get a little bit of a, a – they don't have to be good sooner rather than later because now it looks like it might be another year before they go to Vegas. So that will slow the process down a little bit. But you got three first-rounders in this draft class. And two next year, right? And, and yeah. they got to get defensive help. Their defense is woefully bad. I mean, it is awful. It is absolutely awful. I think you keep Carr at least to see what he does another year. I mean, look what he had. They got rid of Cooper. They had nobody. He had nobody to throw to last year. The offensive line he had two rookie tackles. They were spinning tops over there. Um, so no, I, I think he'll be back. From the people you talk to, uh, the consensus from what I'm reading from a lot of people, two best players in the draft are Bosa and Quinn Williams, right? Some people seem to have Josh Allen in that top group. Some don't. How muddled is that next group of guys for you after that very top tier, or is your top tier bigger than that? I think the, the tackle from Florida is an elite player. Juwan Taylor? I do. I think he's going to be a star. And, by the way, you're not the first person that has told us that yeah, this week. He mm-hmm. is. Uh, when you watch his tape, he is violent, he's tough, he's physical, he's athletic, and he's enormous. And, and you know, I don't think he's going to play left tackle, but nowadays you can get by if you have a good right tackle, and you need that oh, spot. Absolutely. Too. So I, I, I think he's going to be a star. I, I I also like the the pass rusher from Florida, uh, Polite. I think Polite is uh, under a little bit under the radar. You know, he weighed in today at two fifty, which is bigger than Did I he? thought he was. Yeah. yeah, because if you watch him on tape, he looks very slender. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. not. And the, and Burns weighed in at two forty something too, as well. And he's another kid from Florida State who's going to mm-hmm. be in that group. I think your pass rushers are good. Uh, this class, I think the center class is outstanding. Bradbury ran a four nine. I love. I have. I had him in my top thirty two this week. I watch him on tape. He's as athletic as can be. He can move. He's like Kelsey from the Eagles. He can get. He's really athletic. That's high and, praise. And yeah, he's very very good. So, uh, if you need offensive line help, this is a good draft. If you need defensive line help, this is a good draft. Uh, if you need wide receiver help, eh, not so much. If you need running backs, they'll be there where they should be in two, three, and four. You never right. never draft a running back in the first round. Sorry, Giants. Well, <laughs> <laughs> unless he's a generational guy. Yeah, but gener- even generational guys don't win titles. you got to have that quarterback before you have anything else. I wow. mean, look, I'm on the Giants network, but I'm going to be critical. No. They, I, I think they should have taken Darnold. And I wasn't in love with Darnold, but until you solve the quarterback position, you're going in. And, and I'm with you. Barkley's special now. But he's a running back. And by the way, Pete, heading into that draft, I was I, I I was a big Sam Darnold guy myself. I think he has some very special make plays off of timing type of type of. It's ability. two against one here, but I'm not by. <laughs> no, you're the Barkley guy. Hey, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm and, just I'm I've always been one of those guys that doesn't believe in the running back for value. I, I just don't think the value is there for the position. I'm a, he's a great player at his position. I just don't think the value of the position. Caught 91 passes, Pete. Yeah, I he's get it. He's not just a running no, back. No, I get it, but he's still, to me, it's it's not the quarterback. And the quarterback, you got to solve that position. Quarter, It's always quarterback, edge rusher. See, I still think they have a quarterback. You like Eli. I sure do. I, I think Eli can still play, too. I, I think Eli's season was, uh, people kill him for it. It was better he had a than a good he, season. He did have a good season. Uh, and, I agree with you. And, and Eli's one of those guys, when all it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the all-time leaders in yards, touchdowns, and everything else and win two Super Bowls. And people are going to go, like, how'd that happen? I, I, I'm with you. Eli doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's a better player than people give him credit for in his career, and he was better last year than people give him credit yeah, for. Yeah, he, he was. All right, let me ask you this, Pete. We were just talking about the positions that look to be stacked. So let's not discuss where guys may be drafted, but on your board of top six players available, what what are you looking at so that when the Giants pick, if they were to go strictly BPA without taking anything else into account, who would be there for them? See, I don't I don't put Murray in the top six in mine. He's not. Okay. I had it um, – I'm trying to think. Of, I had Boza, Williams, Allen, mm-hmm. Taylor, 
Haskins? Haskins and Polite. That okay. were my, I think that was my six. What do you think top. of Farrell as compared to Polite and Burns? I think Polite and Burns are better than Farrell. Mm. No, but it's not by much. I mm-hmm. mean, they're, they're, both, they're all right there. They're, yeah, and they're and Sweat. Sweat's yeah. another guy who's an interesting kid from Mississippi State, another edge rusher who, who can – uh, you know, provide pass rush. You know, I know the Giants are looking for pass rush, but they need it. <laughs> they need a quarterback more than they need anything. You can. I mean, look, I like Eli for another year, but you got to fix the quarterback position for the next group. Well, and, and by the way, that's exactly what Dave Gettleman said yesterday when he spoke to the media. He said, "Look, the, I would love to do what Ernie Acorsi did for the Giants, and that's give them their next Eli right. Manning." But he also said that he doesn't want to force it if he doesn't think the guy is there because picking the wrong guy. Can be a but big mistake. You, every year you can say, "Oh, we'll wait till next year." Oh, that, and then we we'll wait till next year. That's true too. And then you go to next year's draft. Okay, look, next year maybe they're waiting for the kid from Clemson for two more years. They could wait that long. Then, 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 then I would wait. But then you're going to be a bad team for a couple years. <laughs> yeah, mean, and nobody wants that. No, obviously. so I mean, like next year's quarterback class, you got the kid from Oregon who went back to school. Intriguing, you know. Yes. But very went, NFL prototypical, six six, and all that sort of stuff. Kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. He went back to school though. It right? was that a little bothers bit. me yep. a little bit. I, I will say this. I would have felt much better about picking him at six than any of the guys on the board right now. If it was me. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, there were games where he was bad, though. I know. He, he was bad. I mean, with a capital B, I, bad. I understand There were that. no bad games for Haskins. He wasn't bad in games. I understand that. Um, and then uh, Tua, who's all of a 5'11", so we'll have yep. to have the same mania we had Same this conversation, week, but, yep. Uh, and then the kid from Georgia. Yeah, who, from, right? Yeah, who's mm-hmm. interesting. But – then you get the the Lauren. I mean, he, everybody who's waiting for that one—that's the one you want to wait for because he's the next. He's the next star. Basically, he's the next luck, right? Where everybody yes. is like, he's yes. the top guy, and yes. everyone knows Absolutely. for sure, right? Absolutely, exactly. All right, before we let you go, because I know we're short on time, mm-hmm. I want to ask you about the free agency tags. There are a lot of defensive players that are at the top of that free agency board, and no tags have been given out yet. So they will. Oh, of course they will. Yeah. But and usually by which, now we, we would have right, seen a few right. of them. Which tag will or will not surprise you at the top of that board? I think this is the guys I think are going to get tagged. Lawrence is getting tagged if he doesn't get a deal. Clark's getting tagged if he doesn't get a deal. Clowney's getting tagged if he doesn't get a deal. Jarrett's probably getting tagged, but I hear he's, his deal is pretty close, so he'll probably get his deal. He's a good uh, player. Yeah. And am I missing one of the? T- I think that might be it for the top. Do you guys. think Trey Flowers gets tagged no, on Patriots? I don't. So he would be the best guy you think He'd that's left, best, right? He'd be the best guy available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Trey Flowers can do so many different things. He can rush from the edge. He can rush from the inside. There's great value in that versatility. He's a perfect Patriot. So anybody who wants a versatile <laughs> player, you know, maybe Miami, maybe you know, Flores takes him down there and goes. But the the problem is, home. guys who are just guys go to the Patriots and become really good. And it could work in reverse, too. Yeah, it's the car wash. I always <laughs> joke about they have a car wash outside their facility and washes the stink off everybody. <laughs> I like that. Right? I like that I mean, even, even when they got, like, guys that have had Bell issues. Belichick with a chamois and sponge. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> they wash all the stink off everybody. Final question, and Dave Gettleman kind of left the door open as to whether or not they're going to franchise Landon Collins, right? What do you think the opinion around the league is of Collins and the value right now in the league of a, a safety that plays close to the line of scrimmage and isn't that single high, you know, cover three, you know, free yeah, safety. You know, look, I think Collins is a good football player, but the sure. game has morphed away from that, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. We can go back. Uh, I saw Steve Atwater last night. He works over He was doing radio over here. And where would Steve Atwater would play linebacker probably now, the he way might, the game yeah. is You're right. Yeah, you know, so I don't know the value of Collins. I, I think he's good, but 
you know, coverage is important nowadays when everybody spreads you out and you got to be able to cover people. Sure. And, and well, he has to be paired with a safety who can work those areas while he's doing the other stuff. Right. You got to have a side. Like if you had when, back in the day when they played Cam Chancellor down in the box in Seattle and they had Earl Thomas to run sideline mm-hmm. to sideline, it Bingo. could work. But cover three's kind of been the guys have figured that out a little bit now. Have you noticed that? Yeah. The, you know, to cover three teams have had a lot of problems lately. So and that is still the vote coverage. That's what a lot of teams still do play because right. they want to get that eighth man in the box right. on first and second right. down. Right. What I don't think you don't think they'll tag them, do you? I don't think they will. The, you know what? I'm coming here, I thought they definitely would after Dave Gettleman spoke the other yeah, day. Now I'm not so sure. Now. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think they would tag them. I didn't think they would tag them. Giants cap situation is uh, rather tight right now. Yeah. So it could certainly inhibit Dave from doing that. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. I look. I thought a couple years ago he was a better player. He had a better. Didn't was it? What, well, he, oh, he he was like second back third with yeah. injury. And he, yeah. Well, yeah. He had, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That's another concern. He had, yeah. Didn't he have his shoulder done? Yeah. And then he had the forearm. Yeah. He yeah. was he was second or third in defensive player of the year yeah. voting. I think a couple years ago. Pete, Three great years stuff, ago, yeah. man. We really appreciate you. Got it. Good stuff here. Pete Frisco, CBS Sports. We'll be back with Tom Rock from Newsday right after this. We're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Tom Rock from Newsday joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. We thank Pete Prisco, Tom. And it's a good place to start where we left with Pete, and we'll pose that question to you about Landon Collins. Um, Coming here, both of us thought, yeah, he's going to get tagged. That's right. And then we listened to Dave Gettleman the other day, and we're like, ooh, maybe not. Your thoughts? I think there are some uh, economic gymnastics that they have to go through to do to do that. I to, like economic gymnastics. To, That's pretty to, good. To, uh, to use that tag. But I think that what Dave Gettleman said mostly the other day, uh, that scared a lot of people like like you off from from thinking that that was a sure thing was uh, was his answer to Landon Collins's posturing and it was just another uh, a, a chance to say well you know we have we have a choice here too and so my my, my guess is that it does get done because it it just it just makes sense that's you know he's he's a defensive playmaker on a team that is hungry for defensive playmakers he's a young you know, he's a three-time Pro Bowler. I know that that gets bandied about. He probably didn't have a Pro Bowl season last year, but but he still is a Pro Bowl type player. And uh, I think if you give him the uh, resources, as uh, I think Paul told Pete just a minute ago, in terms of having having somebody to help in the coverage, things like that, I I, I think he can be a, a a pretty dynamic playmaker for them. The thing <coughs> thing about Landon with the uh, Cleaning up the locker and all, and all that all that stuff. Well overblown. Well, w- whatever it was. Listen, <laughs> y- you know, you ask players sometimes, and you say, if you weren't playing football, what would what would you be doing? Right. With Landon Collins, I don't think there's an answer to no, that. No, football is his thing. He is a football player. Yes. So he, the question isn't that he's going to pull a, a Le'Veon Bell and sit out the season. I think it's just a matter of when he shows up. And uh, you know, if if he's not on the field with them in the spring, but he's but he's home working out and doing all his stuff, that's fine. I I don't, I don't think the Giants, you know, w- would be would be crying ab- ab- about all of that. I think that uh, you know, once the season starts, if you take him, he's gonna he's gonna show up and he's gonna play. Well, and that's the interesting thing for me, Tom, because at the end of last season, when the media conveyed around his locker at Baggy Day, he told everybody. I don't have a choice. They can tag me, and that's fine. That's the way and it if, works. And if they do, I'll, I'll play for it. Right. So I don't know where the narrative came out based off of the ESPN report that suddenly he's not going to play for the tag, and he's angry, and it's not going to happen. I, that's ridiculous to me. I don't know what Landon Collins would do if he wasn't playing football. I mean, that, that he, he loves the game. To, for him to sit out, for him to miss those, those games at the end of the season, which were meaningless games the last two seasons with his injuries, I think killed him. So to be actually missing – 
games that matter in the in the beginning part of a season, I, I, I can't see Landon Collins doing that. E even if there is a financial windfall coming down the road, which, by the way, Sal the uh, franchise tag is not exactly uh, you know the opposite of a financial windfall. <laughs> no, and it's funny. I, I think and, and Dave Gettleman said this to us too, where you know I, he's like, I don't understand when getting the franchise tag for a player became such a bad thing. I mean, go ask Kirk Cousins how that worked out for him getting the franchise tag for a couple straight years. It's it's not the best thing, but it's not the worst thing either. No, it's not. And 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 you know you're compensated for it, and and you know I I, I don't think that I think players have this this conception that. Um, you know, get, getting this is is awful, and it's and it's costing them millions and millions of dollars, and and especially for a player as young as Landon Collins, I I, I just don't feel like that's the case. I mean, you know, so so now he's 25, so next year he'll be a free agent again, and he'll be 26 years old, and ideally have a year under this system, ideally have a year where the the defense was better suited to his talents and his skills that he was able to flourish and make more impact plays than he was last year. And and ideally, uh, you know, then cash in on, on a long-term deal with, with a lot of guaranteed money. My phone is blowing up here as I take a look at this sucker that uh, NFL Network has two reports from Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo that the Giants are shopping Olivier Vernon. Yeah. Now, you, we know that his number is, is high for the production that he gave them. As I've said to people before, I think Vernon's a good player, and he's Robin. He's not Batman, and that's the problem. They asked him to be Batman last year, and he wasn't able to fill that cowl. That's a pretty good line. Okay. Cowl, wow. So, well, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. So he needs a Batman, which I think they can draft with the sixth spot in the draft and get a Batman for him. But the problem is... If you don't believe that, or if you think his number is too high, you may have other plans for him. How do you see this playing out? Well, I think it's 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 the number is is the is the salary cap number. That's that's the that's the defining um, uh, element in this in this decision. It's not it's not whether or not uh, Olivier Vernon is a is a good player, a great player, or, or what he's worth. He, you know, you basically you're paying the contract for the, that he signed. Two, three, what was it? Three years ago, mm -hmm. right? Now is now is the time to pay up on that on that deal, and 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 this is this is uh, the, 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 you know this is when you gotta you gotta put out for that really for that for that uh, deal that that they uh, signed that the, the former regime signed him to, so you have to figure out how how he's gonna play in your defense, and and like like Paul said, I. <laughs> I think you need two anyway, you know, and and they they barely had one last year, uh, in terms of in terms of edge rushers. And by the way, if you trade them or release them, you're still paying the signing bonus that's left. So it's not like the yeah, financials are any you, different. You don't you don't get off free. No, and then the other team's gonna have to pick up the contract, and then that'll then limit the type of return you would get in any you know potential thing too. So you know, one way or the other, I think they're trying to do what's best and. But to me, it's not going to be easy. To me, the trade, the idea of trading him, at least gives you some value back, and yeah. as opposed to maybe just releasing him. It was in, the same reason in a week or two for trading snacks back during the season. Same exact situation. Yeah. And I would suspect that Dave Gettleman is trying to get that third round pick to get back into that round in this year's draft. Whether or not yeah. you can get that for Vernon, I think he needs to get back into that third round. Yeah, I mean uh, that's that's basically why I think they traded Apple and uh, and Snacks too is is to get that um, to get those assets there in the lower rounds yeah. to be able to to jump up. You know, if they, if they actually use those those sixth and seventh round picks for sixth and seventh round picks, I think that those uh, you know 
the whole tra- the whole trades and the way they set up this draft is going to be a failure. You know, those those p- those picks need to be used. They need to be bundled together and 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 uh, uh, used to jump up a lot. Uh, yeah, p- p- picking ten rounds. players in this draft, especially the bulk in the third day, is mm-hmm. not going to really help them much. No, no. I mean, they they have so many needs right now that you you need. You need you need as many assets up top as as you can get, and you need as many guys who can come in and play right away as you can get. Shermer made went out of his way yesterday, or on Wednesday, I should say, to leave himself open to drafting a quarterback of Kyler Murray's stature. Mm. Um, Dave Gettleman went out of his way to say, "I would love to leave the Giants with a franchise quarterback the way Ernie Acorsi did." He also said, "But I don't want to be pressured that I have to do it this year and pick the wrong guy." Um, your feelings now? on the chances the Giants do go quarterback high in this draft. As Dave Gettleman also said, look, if, if you're getting a franchise quarterback, you got to use your first-round pick. you got to use them in the first round, right? Yeah, uh, I, I, think I think Haskins is a, is a really intriguing player because he fits their needs in terms of immediate and long-term. Do so you think he's a better shot than Murray? Yes, yeah. I mean, I th- listen, if, if you sign Murray, you know, among the – Myriad issues you're going to have with Kyler Murray is the concussions that uh, your left tackle is going to have because he could be plunked in the back of the head with with so many <laughs> passes throughout throughout the year. I mean, you know, Nate Solders, what, he's got to be a, you know, almost a foot taller than 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 uh, about ten Kyler inches. Murray. Yeah, he yeah. Is. That's true. So ten inches. That is true. It's you know, <laughs> I mean, think about think about that. You know, I can't even see around Nate Solder. How is how is Kyler Murray going to be able to do that while he's moving and with a defensive lineman there? That, that to me to me. You know, I think everybody's being polite about this height thing. I think nobody wants to be the bad guy to come out and say he's too short. But I think he's too short. You know, I, 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 I you know, I, I think he can play. I think there are things that he can do as a quarterback on the field. But I don't think he can. I don't think he could be a championship quarterback. And then, you know, you look at everybody makes the Russell Wilson comparison. Russell Wilson played 50 games in college, and Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Mm-hmm. So. You're talking about Kyler Murray at the top of the first round. That that seems like a pretty big gamble to me. Well, no, you, heard, you. you heard what Pete Prisco said. You were over there in the green room as mm-hmm. Prisco was here, and and you know he made the Charlie Ward comparison. Well, and that's I, a different I, that's, generation. It, that's, it is a, it's a different, different generation. Different time in the league. Right now, everybody just gets infatuated with these playmakers and these athletes, and sometimes they lose sight of old school football. Which still wins, in my opinion. Right, the definition of what these guys have to be. I mean, he used to be six foot, and now all of a sudden this guy is, is, a, is an eighth of an inch tall and a 5'10", and everybody says, oh, he made it. Yeah, that was a surprise. It's you like 5'10", oh, what a great job. Yeah. Re- what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess I guess because people were, were speculating that he was 5'8", or, or you know, barely 5'9", but... So barely 5'10". Uh, he's, he's, he's barely 5'10", yeah. I mean, th- does that really make a difference, you know, w- when, you, when you're talking about trying to, trying to look over the line and see the field? I, I mean, I heard Pete tell, tell that story about Drew Brees throwing blind, you know. Sure. That's, that's a skill. And that's Drew Brees. Drew Brees' second-round pick, by the way. Drew, <laughs> yeah. Kyla Murray. Good point. Kyla Murray, you, you, do you think he has the, the Drew Brees gene in him? I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe but he does, but. You know, I think there's a good chance think, he doesn't. I think if you're the Giants, you want somebody else to find that out, not not you with well, a with, with a top pick in a no. I think that's in a very important draft. Put it this way: whatever Kyler Murray came in at five eight, five nine, five ten, the defensive lineman who's coming in is probably six three, and it doesn't matter anyway. Could you imagine somebody like Chris Canty coming in and, and trying? <laughs> you know, Chris, what, what well, was Chris He was six six. six, six no, he was six, six, no, he was six eight. Six eight was he was six eight. Canty. Was he eight? Oh six, yeah. Eight. Okay. Could you imagine somebody like him? And Kiwanuka was six seven. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, you, you, 
I mean, I know, I know he's fast and I know he's quick and he can get out of there. But, and then the other thing too is, so now you're worried about his, um, uh, his endurance, his, his injuries and and susceptible injuries, and you're coming off a quarterback that for 15 years was going showing up every Sunday. Uh, you know, never missed a game because of injury, and and now all of a sudden you got to worry about uh, week to week whether this guy is is going to take a hit at the sideline or twist an ankle or a knee or something like that. I, I just don't think it's I don't think it's the right fit. All right, so your feel then if they don't go quarterback, uh, Paul and I have kind of come to the conclusion here that if they don't go QB, it's either going to be O line or D line, right? It's going to yeah, be I offensive so. tackle or pass rusher. Um, without you can talk about players if you want, or mm-hmm. just you know balance those two positions. Where do you think the Giants are more likely to be headed with that first round pick? I think offensive line. I think I think it. I think there's going to be a rush on defensive linemen. Sure. And uh, so I think that that will give them the best offensive lineman at six, the best offensive lineman in the draft. So, so, so you think they'll get the first offensive? So I think they'll get the, the first offensive line. I think there's a good chance of that. I think I think there's an outside chance that they look at a guy like Bosa, and they fall in love with him the way they did with Saquon, and they jump up. Really? Yeah. To try and to try and get him, I think. Interesting. I think if you, I think if they mm. think he's that special, and there's a chance that they might because he's been kind of out of sight, out of mind for a long time here. I would, I would not be shocked if they if they made that move. But you would have to dip into next year's draft capital, and then when you're trying to find that quarterback, like get him and talked about, then mm. what do you do? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. I don't know. But if but if they have a conviction on a player and they're so close at six. Maybe you, you know. See, that's the key word: conviction. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I'm talking it, about, he's got to be, he's got to be the defensive Saquon to to, to the what defensive they, Saquon. To I what like they, that. To what you they know, thought. We, they we had, we had Greg Cosell on yesterday, or was the day before? Wednesday. Yeah. I've totally lost track of the days, folks. It happens when you're out here. Uh, and he said basically, at six, you got to slam your fist on the table and say, "I want that guy." You have to be that emphatic at six. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe at two and three, you're talking about the gold jacket. But when you get into the, the latter part of those top ten, you still got to slam your fist and say, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately, if Dave Gettleman feels that way about any player, you can't blame him for taking him because that's his job. Yeah. Yeah. I still think they should, they should take a, take Haskins. <laughs> okay. I think, they, I think Haskins is a, is a good pick. I think, I think because he's not – I don't. I don't know that he's necessarily plug and play ready, but you don't need him to be. The Giants don't need him to be because yeah. the the Kansas City model, right? So yeah. so so they they groom him and and whether it takes until November or whether it takes until next September, he's he's ready. He's ready to go in when when here's, he's ready. Here's what I will say, Tom, because I feel like I'm I'm kind of on the same plane as as what they're thinking. I would like Haskins to be that guy. I think they probably want him to be that mm-hmm. guy that they can slam their fist on the table and say, boy, we have conviction at six. I think they want him to be. For me, he's not there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's there for them yet. And I don't know that the combine or a pro day can bridge that gap to get him there. Well, That's the problem for me. He's, you know, because he's young, they haven't, they haven't spent a lot of time face-to-face with him. They, you know, they they haven't done a lot of inter- no interactions question. with him, so so they got to get to know him, and and this is going to be that's what this weekend is more about, not not whatever he does on the field. No, I mean, of course, he's, he's no. going to go out on the field, he's going to look fine, he's going to move fine, and everybody's going to say, oh, he 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 helped himself this weekend. <laughs> His, the helping himself happens in the in the suites at the hotels, right? Right. right? So he's got to show up, you know, firm handshake, look the, look everybody in the eye, 
answer the right questions. Go on the board and do the right stuff. Even even that I think is 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 down the list a little bit from how he how he projects himself as a fran- as a face of the franchise. Can, can he lead your organization? Can he be the face right. of the organization? Can he be the guy that when everything's gone wrong in a game and they blew it is not going to throw somebody under the bus? because that's what yeah. the quarterback for the last 15 years has been able to do. Final one for me, Tom. Yes. Other priorities this offseason for you, for the Giants? You talked about quarterback, a right tackle, pass rush. What yeah. else are you looking at this offseason that the Giants need to accomplish? Well, you got to find a, a cornerback. I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure they think Sam Beal is going to come in and, and maybe compete for a starting job. Yeah, and Dave Gunnman said they believe he would be a second-round pick in this year's right. draft. So, uh, you know, I, I think they need to get a little more experience, a little more depth there. Safety. I think they got to figure out figure out safety. You know, if they, if they do have Landon Collins back, they need to give him – Talked about Batman and Robin. They need to find him a Robin, because yes, he can be a Batman. He is a Batman. I agree. But he he's so far he's he's hasn't had his his sidekick. You know he, he's gone through how many people in the last four years uh, that that we thought were going to be there: Darian Thompson and and uh, uh, Brandon Merriweather and 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 you know oh, I forgot he, about yeah, Brandon Merriweather. Yeah, I mean the, <laughs> the list goes on and on about guys of guys who we thought were going to were going to be paired up with him, you know, uh, Adams, uh, you know, it, it just keeps going on, you know, Curtis Riley obviously is is uh I don't I don't think is the is the answer there. No. Um but but they're going to I think they need to find somebody that's uh that, that that's going to be uh, uh back there and a playmaker and that's going to allow Land to to emphasize what he does well and take the things that he does poorly off of his plate a little bit. Everybody seems to forget about one name when they talk about the Giants in the 2019 season coming up, Tom. I'm, I'm Paul Dottino? <laughs> no <laughs> one I'm, forgets Paul Dottino. And, and I'm blown away by it, to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest with you, but nobody talks about Jamon Brown, who was a huge, yep. huge pickup for that offensive line, waiver pickup during the bye week, solidified the line. Look, he's not an all-pro. He does have some trouble in pass pro, but he was a dynamite run blocker and really seemed to pick up the play of that offensive line by at least two notches. He is an unrestricted free agent, yet nobody has asked Pat Shermer or Dave Gettleman about the status of him coming back because if he doesn't come back, guess what? Now you have an even bigger hole on that offensive line than you do today. That is a big that is a big hole, but it's going to cost you too. I mean, you know, he's not going to give a hometown discount. He, it was his hometown for for eight weeks, you know. So so he he has no attachment to the Giants. I mean, he may have liked it here. He may have been pleased that they gave him another shot. But there were there were a lot of teams, I'm sure, that put in claims for him. The Giants just happened to stink at the time, and they had the, the number two position in the draft waiver uh, waiver wire. So, uh, you know. Uh, but do you I, think it's because people assume he's coming back? No, is that why people no, don't think, ask about? I think it's because no I, I I think it is a very big question and I think I think that it's going to it's going to definitely set the tone for for a lot of what they do with the offensive line in the offseason even in the draft uh you know all of a sudden if you're looking for more of a guard player than than a than a right tackle it's yeah. a really big factor in my opinion that nobody has talked about they, they don't have, they don't have a starting right guard or starting right tackle under contract currently on the roster right correct that's correct mm-hmm. yeah yeah I would say I would say that's true, and but that may change in the next week or two. Sure. You know, I, I, and I think, I think that a lot of people aren't asking it because I think a lot the same reason why until this week a lot of people weren't asking about the franchise tag because I think a lot of people think that yeah. well that's just 
what you got to do. Right. Tom, thank you very much, my friend. Thanks, fellas. Tom Rockley, Tuesday. Great job, as always. We'll be back with Tony Pauline. He'll join us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino rejoining you. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. Now our good buddy, Tony Pauline. First of all, Tony, where can people find your work? I think the best thing to do is just Twitter Tony Pauline or, uh, or DraftAnalyst.com on Twitter at Tony Pauline. I've been looking forward to this. I better be on my game because I have to throw this in. The word is my 16-year-old daughter is watching this on her camera phone at Kennedy Catholic High School. Okay. My daughter wow. had my daughter didn't care what I did for 16 years, and then she heard somebody talking about school the other day saying about the combine. And she said, you know, my dad is – I think my dad is at the combine. And then from <laughs> what I understood, it's taken a life of its own, so – Please tell me she's not taking a history test at the same time. Uh, you know, listen, it's either one or the other. This is Catholic school, so it's either one or the other, you know? All right, here we go. Tony, let's start with this. We've had a few people come on here and tell us they believe, no doubt about it, Juwan Taylor is the best offensive lineman in this draft class. Tell me why they're right or why they're wrong. The best offensive lineman, um, he's the best right tackle. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's big, he's powerful, he's strong. He doesn't move all that well. So if you're running a zone-blocking system and you want him out on the second level to take out linebackers, I think you're going to shy away from him. Okay. Uh, he, his testing has been okay, but he's a big, powerful guy. Yeah, I think he ran well, – yeah, because he didn't run at all this week because of the hamstring, right? Even yeah. if even you watch him you know, on film, he's not a big, mobile guy. He's powerful. He has a lot of upside. So if you're looking at the best offensive lineman, I think he's going to be the first offensive lineman selected. I okay. think he's going to be selected before Jonah Williams, that's for sure. Top five? Uh, no. How, I don't, I, how about I, Cody Ford? Cody Ford's done very well. I mean, Cody Ford, you watch him on film. He's a fun guy to watch. He's a big uh, mauler at right tackle. He's like 330, right? Uh, he's a big and, man. And, and he plays to that size, too. Yeah. I mean, he just engulfs uh, defenders at the point of attack, blocks down on them. Did very well in drills today. Moved exceptionally well for a guy who was so big. Didn't do too well in the bench press yesterday. You know, take it or leave it. Um, but the fact is this is he showed some skill in tackle. People saying, you know, you're going to have to push him into guard. He showed some skill in the drills today that makes you think that you can leave him out of tackle and he's not going to be a liability in pass protection against the edge rushers. So real quick, you kind of hesitated. You say he's the best right tackle. Who for you is the best offensive lineman in the class? You like Bradbury, the center? Bradbury's terrific. I think Andre Dillard is going to make a move up. Now, you know, what happens on draft day is not necessarily what's going to happen two or three years down the road. Of course. We we, we all get crazy what happens with the results of draft day. Two or three years down the road, I'm watching Andre Dillard good for three years, two years at Washington State, good at the Senior Bowl, has been terrific today in drills, and he's the purest left tackle in this year's draft. So I think Dillard will probably be the, the fourth or fifth offensive lineman selected in the draft. But I think two or three years down the road, he could probably be be the guy who goes to the most Pro Bowls uh, of this class. Interesting. Wow. All right. Well, then, how many offensive linemen should go? We all know some guys get inflated and pushed up, but should go in the top ten, and how many should go in the first round? Top ten, if Jacksonville signs Nick Foles, they'll probably take a guy like Jawan Taylor in the top ten. The fact is there's so many defensive linemen this year they're going to load up the top ten selections of of the draft. They're going to load up the first round. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of iffy. I don't think any offensive lineman grades as a top ten pick, but as we've seen year in, year out, offensive tackles are always a priority position, and they're selected earlier. As far as uh, how many offensive linemen go in the first round, I think Taylor, I think – Cody Ford will go in the end of round one. I think Dillard, uh, middle of round one. Um, Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams. Greg Little hasn't looked good, 
but I think he's still going to go round one, and then Garrett Bradbury. So you're talking about six. So you six. think Reisner drops to round two? You I never think? had. I never had Reisner as a first round prospect. Okay, I, I never did. Mm-hmm. I think he's a third round guard. Third round guard. He's not tested well. Mm-hmm. He's done exactly what I thought. He's a dominant mauler in a small area. I don't think he's the right tackle at the next level. I don't okay. think he has the agility or athleticism. So far, I've been proven right by the testing results. One, okay. of, the, one of the guys we talked to yesterday loves Kajusti, the kid. Who, John Kajusti, right. Yeah, who doesn't have a lot of experience, right. didn't start playing football to a senior year in high school. Right. I listened to him at the podium yesterday. Do you see big upside for that kid or no? At right tackle, potentially. He okay. played left tackle at West Virginia, which really doesn't use tight ends. They have, the, they have a, a wide-open system, so you better be a good pass protector. And he was. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has the footwork or the agility. I think he could be a very good right tackle down the road. Now, I know the Giants don't have a, a third-round pick, correct? Correct. But if they m- maneuver, one guy to keep an eye on, if they maneuver, who I really like a lot is Isaiah Prince of okay. Ohio State. Mm. But you're talking late second round, early third round, so they would have to move down. He's a big Dominant guy, he great fundamentals. Not the flashiest footwork, but he does great job with body positioning and knee bend and, and his angles. Um, but again, they would have to trade down for a guy like Isaiah Prince. Well, let's say they stay at the top of the second round. I believe they're number seven in the second round. Right. Who are the right tackle guys who should be there for them? Should they want to take one? And is that guy going to be a plug and play guy? Because right now they'd like to upgrade that spot. Keep the name of David Edwards of Wisconsin Mm -hmm. on talked to him yesterday very impressive guy he has been he's a terrific uh, player coming into the season I thought he was top 15 material he's one of those guys he's sort of a Lane Johnson type guy plays right tackle but can also play left tackle he's a big mammoth guy like you would expect from Wisconsin had a shoulder injury this year and we have to see how bad the shoulder injury was Shouldn't have been on the field, but he played three or four games with the shoulder injury, which continually got worse. Mm. But if he's healthy, I mean, he's one of those guys you get in the top second round, you could, be te- could potentially be getting first-round value, and he's going to fall because he really did not have a good 2018 season. Paul's a big fan of McGarry, too. How, what, do you th- what do you think about him out of Washington? Third round area. Okay. You know, uh, short arms, really short arms. Yeah, he came at 32 7 eights, right? Didn't do well in the bench press. Doesn't move all that well, but a big, strong, small area guy. Which, quite frankly, would still be an upgrade for them in the third if they can get him. Exactly. He's still plug and play for e- them. Exactly. I, I, I like him. I would take Isaiah Prince before McGarry. But you know what? McGarry's one of those guys. He doesn't look the part. He won't test well. But you get him on the field, and he plays very well. He's a good offensive lineman. I want to go back to Edwards for a second because one of the things we found out in talking to him is that he was a former quarterback and then a tight end. And he was talking about to us how he believes – that he sees things playing offensive line that most offensive linemen don't see. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that, it, to me, is very, very interesting. And you and he has that athleticism from the quarterback, you know, from the tight end position. Absolutely. And, you know, people will look at the 2018 film and say, Tony Paul, he's out of his mind looking at it. You've got to go back to 2017, and you have to see what happens with the shoulder. And if the shoulder's fine, he is going to be terrific value outside the top 30 selections. How about defensive line? I think we did a great job on the tackles there. The other need the Giants have is an edge rusher. And it really seems to be a chef's choice scenario at the top of this draft. Do you want the bendy guy? Do you want the all-around guy? How do you sort out, once you get past Nick Bosa, obviously, that next group of pass rushers? Josh Allen's probably at the top of the group. Okay. 
Then it goes to uh, Josh Allen of, of Kentucky, who I like more as a 3-4 outside linebacker, though I hear when he weighs in, people are going to go out of their mind because he's about 265 pounds and he, he's ripped now. He's a good athlete. He's a smart football player. I like him standing up in 3-4 because, number one, if you watch the film, he gets taken out by plays by tight ends. But he's also smart. He's also a good athlete. You can drop him off the line and play him in space. Now, if he's 265, 6'5", can he get up to 270? Can he get up to 275 and keep that speed and quickness off the edge? Right. So Allen's number one. Jakai Polite. Who came Polite. In just un- uh, from Florida, who came in just under 6'3". He's a lot taller than people thought. Explosive up the field. Just absolute explosion. Mm-hmm. Fires off the snap. Great first step. Can bend off the edge. Good speed up the field. Can change direction. Get down the line of scrimmage and make plays in pursuit. Montez Sweat, who I hear is going to blow up the combine when he works out on Sunday. Uh, a guy who, again, can come out of a three-point stance. You stand him up over tackle. Was a tremendous pass rusher at Mississippi State. Was a tremendous pass rusher on the college level. He's got a tall, thin frame. Maybe a liability against the run. And long arms. Uh, 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 yeah. Great physique. Great physique, but he's just a tall, thin guy, which I think is gonna, he's going to struggle to run to the next level, but you're looking at edge rushers. See, now I'm going to cheat just a little bit here because Tony and I had an opportunity to chat yesterday for just a couple of minutes, and he broke my heart Uh when he told me that Clemson defensive end Clellan Farrell is not going to get down to number six in the Giants. Well, I I apologize (laughs) for not mentioning Clellan Clellan Farrell. See, I I don't like when they brand guys, you know, edge rushers. Clellan Farrell, to me, is a terrific 4-3 defensive end. Yes. He can rush the passer. He can play the run. You can stand him up on occasion and use him as a pass rusher off the edge standing over tackle. He can you do can, everything. You can drop him off the line on zone blitzes. You can get him out in space. I mean, right now, to me, he kind of reminds me, I'm going to make a comparison to Deron Payne. What do I mean about Deron Payne? I thought Deron Payne was ridiculously undervalued all last year through the draft process. I had him as one of my top five players. He went in the middle of the first round, had a terrific year for the Washington yes, he Redskins. Did. He did. I think we're seeing the same thing with Cleveland Farrell right now. Cleveland Farrell right now is in my top five. He may fall out of the top five. You know, if, if Josh Allen and these other guys, especially depending on what happens with the quarterbacks go, he may fall out. He's going to be great value outside the top five. He could be there for the Giants. Do they take him? I don't know. We'll see what happens with Olivier Vernon as, as the uh, news is broken. Yes. How about Brian Burns? It's somebody that and a lot of people think he's one of those like kind of like polite, is very a bendy guy, right. quick off the line. Right. I think he came in actually a lot heavier than people thought right. today too. Where do you think he's going to land in this draft class? Mid to late first round. Okay. I think Polite goes before him. Here's the problem with combine weigh-ins. Because you come in heavier when you step on the scale of the combine, that doesn't mean that you're playing weight. Correct. There is, Correct. You know, there's a trick that these guys, they come in, they get bulked up for the combine, and then they don't run the 40 mm-hmm. because, they, because they're going to be slower. And then they right. run the 40 at their pro day when they're a little bit lighter. Hello, right. Kyler Murray. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the word yesterday. That was the word yesterday with Kyler Murray. <laughs> it used to be primarily defensive linemen and offensive linemen. Right. Burns is a guy I think you've got to stand him up over uh, as a 3-4 outside linebacker or you've got to use him solely as a one-gap defensive end. He's an absolute pass rusher. I don't think he's a Zakai Polite, but he has that same ability to get up the field, create pressure, speed off the edge, great balance, great athleticism. The one thing that bothers me about Burns when I watch him on film is if the play's not in his immediate vicinity, he seems to be like, uh, you know, no big deal. Now, the one name you haven't mentioned so far, oh boy. despite all of this talk about edge rushers and pass rushers and first-round guys and top ten guys, is Jalen Ferguson. Who, quite honestly, right. uh, quite honestly, right. I'm not real high on. Okay, and I got a hunch you're not either. I am, but I think two things. I know this: the Giants do like him. I know that the Giants. Uh, I've been told the Giants like him. Well, now, they put up numbers. Okay, number two. 
I think Jalen Ferguson, guys like Jalen Ferguson, Zach Allen of Boston College, are guys who usually go in the first round, but there are so many defensive linemen in this year's draft, those guys are going to get pushed into the second round. So I absolutely think that if Jalen Ferguson's there at the top of round two for the Giants and they don't go – they go offense in round one, whether right. they be a quarterback, whatever they do, I think he's absolutely a, uh, a, a consideration for him. Now, he doesn't have the greatest instincts – you know, sometimes the ball's going left, he's going right, but he's a great pass rusher. See, but you just mentioned the magic word. Dave Gettleman has yeah. told us instincts right. is his number one absolutely unnegotiable factor for any of these draft picks. We'll see what happens during the interviews. I mean, we'll see what happens yeah. dur- during the interviews and, and the, you know, I don't, I know, you know, we all know the Ferguson story. He's here for the interviews. He's here for the medicals. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's taking the Wonderlick and the Giants have always had this great psychological test that they put players through. We'll see what happens. How about the cornerback class, Tony? Uh, we've heard a couple of people say, I'm not picking a cornerback till 15 or 20. I've heard two people tell me that they love Byron Murphy so much, they consider him as a top 10 selection because they love the way he breaks on the ball in the zone and things like that. Right. Your take on the defensive back class, and if you're looking for value at corner, where should you be looking? Probably, it's not a great cornerback class. I mean, once you get out of the top three guys, and my top three guys are Greedy Williams, Byron Murphy, Byron Murphy Washington, Trayvon Mullen of Clemson, you're looking at more nickel-type guys, which is still, in some schemes, a starting position How about Baker? What do you think about Baker? Not a fan. Okay. And I'll tell you what. Let, let, let's, I mean, I love Greedy Williams. I think Greedy Williams is going to be underdrafted. I think he's got the size. He's got the ball skills. Classic press corner, right? Uh, terrific. I think, talk about the other New York team, the Jets, I think he'd be perfect for a Greg Williams-type system. Byron Murphy probably is the most polished cornerback in this year's draft, the most polished ball skills, but he's going to be under six foot tall which will be a problem for some teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, I've liked forever. I, I mean, I had him rated as a first-round pick before the season began, watching him as sophomore film. He's got excellent size. He's got excellent ball skills. The problem with Trayvon Mullen is a lot of quarterbacks didn't throw in his direction. So there's not a lot of film of him covering players, covering opponents because they didn't throw to him. Getting to DeAndre Baker, DeAndre Baker is kind of a contradiction in the sense that he's a smaller corner, 5'10 and change, but he plays physical football. My problem with DeAndre Baker is if you watch the film, he cannot make plays with his back to the ball. He mm. is constantly face guarding. He doesn't and turn his head. The, and when he turns that's a his, big problem. And when he turns his head, he loses a half step in Ooh, transition. That's a problem. Okay? That's a problem. The way he's gotten by on colleges, he face guards, the ball comes, and he strips the ball from the receiver. Okay. He does a very good job of that. Watch. So he basically plays the receiver's hands. Basically. Yeah. When mm-hmm. the ball gets to the receiver. Watch when – don't forget about the testing with the Dondre Baker. Watch the position drills because I've told that in combine training he has not looked smooth, he has not looked fluid, and that's a problem. I think he's very overrated. All right. We had a number that we were using uh, the other day in the first uh, edition of our show where 38 guys who got snubbed from the combine got drafted last year. Right. So who is your top guy who is not here this week who's got a good chance to yeah. make somebody's roster? There's <sighs> – there's a couple of them. I like Ty Johnson, the running back from Maryland, who was given a late-round grade uh, by scouts. Uh, there was a thought process he should have come out last year because the Maryland backfield is loaded, and he only saw he didn't get the ball enough this year. Dominated the uh, Shrine Game practices. Looked terrific in Shrine Games. I think he's probably a mid pick, uh, a middle-round pick in the uh, last day of the draft. Anthony Ratliff-Williams, an underclassman receiver. receiver from North Carolina, who – 
didn't have great production, but they had a terrible offense out in North Carolina. He was a big play receiver. You go back to 2017, just dominated North Carolina State when they had a real good defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a guy who should be here. Uh, Jimmy Moreland, the cornerback from James Madison, cornerback return specialist, good college uh, season, went to the Shrine Games and dominated, went to the Senior Bowl, did well, shut down Hunter Renfro on the last day of Senior Bowl practice. A guy you're looking at as a potential starting Dime back, potential nickel back, return specialist, next level. Tony, I, I watched Penny Hart at the senior yeah, bowl. Yeah, no one guy. could cover him. Right. How was he not right. here? I agree. I agree. Not the biggest guy. <laughs> no, but, but you're still. looking at a slot receiver, return specialist at the next level, incredibly quick. Just put him on the Patriots. Right. Just be, put him on the Patriots and be done with yeah, it. He's going to be he's going to be a four three guy during his pro day. So there's another guy at receiver who probably should be here. And Jeffrey Simmons, who yeah. has the bad personality profile, obviously right. off the field stuff, and then also had the uh, the ACL. Right. Uh, this is a guy who a lot of people think if he was clean with everything the way yeah. it's supposed to be, would yeah. be very high. It would have been top ten pick. Yeah. Uh, he is, he's not the strongest guy. Great fundamentals. Plays with uh, good knee bend mechanics. Explosive. A guy who, you know, you had Montez Sweat on the outside, and then you had Jeffrey Simmons on the inside. That's not bad. I mean, it was impossible to mm-hmm. stop. You watch Jeffrey Simmons defeating double and sometimes triple team blocks Prime with his explosion, with his quickness. He's got to get a little bit bigger and stronger. That will come as he physically matures. Uh, I thought that everything considered, he probably would have gone to Cleveland in the middle of round one. I think right now, you know, maybe Oakland at the bottom of round one because, you know, they're going to they're gonna want to be crafty sometime, maybe early part of round two. Is he a high-risk pick, do you think? No. I mean, that, that, that film – from his early days was really awful. Everything tells me that it's been a one-off incident. He basically learned from it. It was an idiotic mistake. You know, you hate you hate to have the guy carried around like a scarlet letter. Right. It's only happened once. I haven't heard any other bad incidents. Everything you talk to from Mrs. Uh, people in Mississippi State said he's been a model, a model student, a model citizen, which is good to see. Sure. The final one, Tony. I, I like how you sometimes think differently than the crowd on on, on a lot of guys. Oh give boy. me, g- give me a few guys that you think the draft community is down on that they shouldn't be that you like a lot more than they do, well, or dislike a lot more than they do. One guy that they absolutely love that um, that we spoke about was Cleveland Farrell. I'm sorry, it was Dalton Reisner. Yeah. You know, I've seen Dalton Reisner in the first round. I don't think he's – I don't have him to the third round because I think he's limited. Conversely, I think Chris Lindstrom of Boston College is a guy who's going to go in the third round, but he's top 45 material. He, been, he tested well today, yeah, too. Mm-hmm. He moves mm-hmm. well. He's good. To, he was good throughout his Boston College career uh, at tackle and guard. He reminds me of a lesser version of Chris Snee. No w- kidding. A guy who is that tough, slug-it-out punch-in-the-mouth type of uh, offensive lineman. Uh, he's a guy who I think is probably going to be taken bottom half of round two and will be a 10-year starter in the league. Uh, obviously, I'm very high in Cleveland Farrell. I like uh, Trayvon Mullen. And, that, I mean, the receivers, uh, none of the receivers really excite me. Uh, tight end, Jay Sternberger, I think is going to probably go later than he should. A&M? Texas A&M, yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. He's, he's guy started at Kansas, went to a uh, community college, sat out a year, found the home, it seemed, this year at Texas A&M. And now he's off to the NFL. Uh, the Weber State kid yeah. pushed 39 yeah. reps yeah. yesterday. I'm forgetting his name. I know it's a hard one. Good luck pronouncing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to try? No. Because I, I don't think I can. I butcher the name Dave, so forget about okay. that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, you want to try, John? No. But I also I do not. Toto or something yeah, like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think Madeline Burke did a good job on our wrap-up yeah. yesterday yeah. doing it. But 
but is is he helping himself after doing 39 reps? No. I mean, he is what he is. He is he plays strong. A guy who who helps himself with 39 reps is a guy who, you know, is very mobile, gets out on the second level, is more of a finesse blocker, but isn't known as a stronger guy. And you're blocking with your legs in football anyway. Right. At least you're supposed to be blocking with your legs, not your yeah. arm. He is what he is. I mean, he's a small area blocker who shows good strength at the point, a college tackle who I think has to uh, push into, uh, be pushed into a guard. He's got the body type to do 39. I mean, that's great. I mean, they did 39 on the bench press. I don't think he's going to improve his draft stock See, because of it. This is what you get out of Tony. Weber State breakdowns on players. That's how much that's what he watches. Tony, great. great stuff. We appreciate Absolutely. the time. Good to Tony Poley on Twitter. Check it out. Um, NFL whoa, Draft whoa, whoa, Analyst whoa, wait, as wait. well. He's got to say goodbye to his daughter. Oh, Sophia? The only problem with my daughter is she doesn't like Led Zeppelin. I think we, and I'm, as everyone knows, I'm a huge listener. I think we took the wrong kid home from the hospital. But oh, <laughs> no. He doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it. She no just shut off her phone. Four more months before Disney Cruise. I know that's, that's all she cares about. <laughs> Tony, good stuff. We'll Thanks. talk to you down the road. John Ledyard joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live from the NFL Combine, our third live two-hour show from Radio Row. John Schmoke, Paul Dettino. It's all presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. Our buddy John Ledyard. Johnny, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate good it. Good to see you, I, I see your whole crew at the Draft Network all over the place. It's yeah. good to see that they don't test for PEDs at the Combine. <laughs> have you been doing Combine training, man? <laughs> you, you put on about 30 pounds of muscle Listen, since you showed you up. You always Jeez. need to be prepared for any for any avenue that may come up at the Combine. So you never know. If they ask you to do the bench, you got to be ready, even as a media member. Be prepared. That's my motto. <laughs> my goodness. You guys have just done an incredible job with Thank this. You. Folks at the Draft Network, they, they're doing all kinds of videos. they got the mock draft draft thing going, which is just absolutely nuts. In fact, why don't you tell us a little about the mock draft yeah, machine please. before yeah. we get going. Yeah, so what we thought was when we did the mock draft machine, we basically, our thought was there, there's this huge passion for the NFL draft, but people have a trouble like, expressing it, I think. Like, where do you express it? How do you kind of build on your feelings for the draft? And I think with mock draft machine and build your own big board, two applications on our site, it really allows people to be able to go in and do their own thing, be the expert. You know, they can arrange the board how they want. They can mock draft for all 32 teams. They can just mock draft for the Giants if they want. They can go through and do all seven rounds. So what, it, what we've done is, and we've tried to make it realistic too. So if you get through the first round, who do you want in the second round? What outs are realistic? Instead of being able to get like on other simulators in the past, you've been able to get like five first rounders in your first five picks. That's not <laughs> realistic in real life. So we've tried to make the board very realistic to how the we believe at this point in time and it'll obviously adapt throughout the draft process and we'll change it how the nfl views the board and views the players in the draft so because of that it allows it to be really realistic when you get into the middle so and, and that can be found on the draftnetwork.com yeah, by yeah, the way yeah. so so the the model is fluid mm -hmm. yes yeah, so what we've, what we've done is basically created a predictive board. that the, it, and, and you can choose other boards. to If you don't want it to be realistic and you want to go off of TDN's player rankings, then that's great too. But what we've done is the default board is a predictive board. So we've set the board based on basically how we believe the NFL sees the class based on everything mm -hmm. we're hearing. We're knowing, you know, even if it's different than what we feel it should be, um, you know, we've got quarterbacks in the top ten. I don't have any quarterbacks in the top ten this year. But for, the, for this predictive board, we have them in the top ten because we know the NFL will take a couple in the top ten. They will. They do every year. So it's just that's kind of an example now if one quarterback, you know, his stock bottoms out after this week or, you know, somebody tears an ACL or something like that, we have to move, you know, we move Jeffrey Simmons out of the top 10 down the board just because with injury, right. it's very unlikely he's going to go super high in the draft. Great. All right, John, let's start with this. I know you're probably a little bit 
down on this class compared yeah. to other people. How many first round grades do you have in this class? Right now I have fourteen. That's which it. Isn't huh? a lot. Yes. Wow. Yeah. My wow. my first round grading is basically set up by if you can be an elite player at your position or really, really top tier player at your position, you have a first round grade. If not, your early second round grade are like the really good players at their positions sure. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I do set a strict criteria for first round grades, but also that's how the NFL te- NFL works too. You know, there's very you'll never see an NFL team really with 32 first round. Never. Grades. Usually right. it's around 18 to 20, right. maybe 25 yeah. in a great year. Yep, and it depends on the class. It depends on the team, but it can be anywhere in that range. So I do think this is a little bit of a worse class, but at the same time, it's really good at two positions: edge rusher and offensive tackle. I think it's really strong in both those. How spots. convenient! I, exactly right. So <laughs> that's the thing. It'll look way better for certain teams than it will for others. If you need a quarterback, you know, if you need, if you need uh, even a running back, I mean, need a running back. But if right. you know, mid rounds is a sweet spot to get a running back. I think it's a good wide receiver class. Uh, there are certain position groups that are real strengths. Others like linebacker, cornerback, huge weaknesses in this class. All right. Now I understand the amount of first round grades you have on these guys, but. There have been people who said to me, the first three rounds will probably include as many as 70% defensive selections. And all of these guys should be able to contribute significantly right away to NFL teams. Yeah. Is is that part of the equation true, that there's enough depth that you will get usable parts, even if there aren't a bunch of superstar blue-chip grades, as you have said? Yeah, I think it is true, especially defensive. The front set, you know, you're talking about the front, the defensive line, interior defensive line. Simmons' injury is a shame, but I definitely think he's one of those guys when he's healthy. Obviously, Quinn and Williams. Ed Oliver's weigh-in today was unbelievable. Oh, what did he come in at? 287, almost 6'2", 287. Wow. Huge for Ed Oliver. That yeah. might push him into the top, back yeah. into the top five it, conversation. It, it honestly might, yeah. That, and I, he even, can move, too. Right, and, he, oh, he, and his testing is going to be amazing. But to me, the testing part I knew about, Ooh. like I was – I was completely fine with that, but my expectation, right, my expectation was he's going to test great, but when you wait adjusted, it'll, it'll be good still, but you have to understand he's 274. Well, you figure, he played, you figure he played around 275 yes. last he year? Played, yeah, he played around 273, 274, which, wow. is, which is okay, you know, but in that division, that's all he needed to play in, you know, in, in playing in, in the AAC. But now he's going to need to bulk up, and I didn't think he could bulk up, to be honest. Like, his frame just looked max out. So the fact that he's 287 is great for his stock, for sure. Ooh. How he tested 87, which probably will still be pretty good, will be great for his stock, too. So I think... The, the, the fact that he did come in bigger, and if he can hold that athleticism at that weight, really impressive. So that could help us talk. So he's one. Quentin Williams, I mean, there's a lot of good players on the interior line, and then I'm sure we'll talk about the edge guys as well. Last year, the Giants caught a break. There were so yeah. many good interior offensive linemen in the class. That guy's got pushed down. We thought Will Hernandez was a first-round quality, late first-round quality prospect. Right. They got him in round two. Where do you think that position's going to be this year? Where the Giants are sitting there at six, and maybe somebody's going to get pushed down, where you're going to get really good value at position X. What's position X? Well, it could be offensive tackle, but they're just less likely because it's such a deep group at offensive tackle. But they're, it, It's such a premium us, position. Exactly right. History's shown us that it's not going to slide down the board like interior offensive line. It won't slide down the board like tight ends will. Even linebackers, to some degree, will slide down the board. So, honestly, positions that the Giants need, I don't know that you can count on that happening. You know, now okay. they need a lot of defensive positions. Mm-hmm. It's possible corner slot just because of the value of the class in general. They're just not a very good corner class. So maybe the sweet spot for them comes later in the draft. But 
No, honestly, the way I see it right now, safety is probably the best answer to your question. I think they could use a safety. Yeah, right, exactly. Is and there I a think, free safety like in that spot that yeah. can play that single high? I think Nasir Adderley from Delaware is, is a single high safety. You, you think know, he could drop there? Mode. Yeah. I think some he, people think he could be a little higher. Yeah, the, there's a chance that he could go higher just because it's a weak safety class. But a Delaware kid, he had a good senior bowl. Small school guys tend to drop out. A lot of teams have strong historical tendencies just to take power five in the top, ten, in, the sure. top in the first round. So I do think Nasir Adderley could fall to early second round range. Yeah, I think that could happen. Um, he could go later. I mean, Justin Reed, everybody thought he was going first round last year. He fell to the third round. Inexplicable. I don't know why. Character, you know, all the testing was there, every the size, and he had an unbelievable season, too. So, I mean, sometimes the safety position's weird. We've seen safeties fall. Jesse Bates was end of the second round. He was unbelievable. And then you've seen guys like Terrell Edmonds go way higher than anybody thought they would. So, it, there are some things that matter at the safety position. I do think his size and the fact that he comes from a smaller, uh, smaller school the FCS level will hurt him and push him down the board. So I'd expect him to be there uh, for the Giants in the second round. He's one option. I really like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as well. I think he played free safety. He played some single high at Florida, did very, very well in that role. He can play in nickel. He can, he might even, he came to Florida as an outside corner. There is just so much value. You listen to these GMs and coaches talk about how valued it is to have interchangeable safeties and safeties that can do a lot of different things for your defense. It mm-hmm. just changes the game. I think that's going to be super important to these teams come draft time. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has a big week uh, this week at the Combine, and I expect he will. And I know he's going to impress teams in interviews with his demeanor. I think he's going to end up going first. Right? All right, now, based on what you said about the corners, and we've asked a number of our guests about Sam Beal, who the Giants took in the supplemental in the third round, and Dave Gettleman has said we think he would have been a second-round pick this year. How fortunate are they to already have him on their draft board? Because he, right now he becomes their third-round pick because of the way they took it. Right. I don't know if he'd have been a second-round pick or not, to be honest. You know, I it, I would have liked to have seen one more year to kind of be able to gauge that with him. Um, that's a hard thing to determine. If indeed he would have been, then obviously that's great for the Giants because they got him for the value of a third. I think missing your rookie season, you know, t- yeah, your rookie season with an injury does tend to historically set guys back. I think the expectations for him should still be ready to jump in. You're ready to hit the ground running. Should be fully healthy at that point because he got injured so early on. They basically need him, right? They, they I mean, do. They're going to need him. They to expect start. him to compete right. as a starter, right? Exactly. So that's a that's a big expectation for a rookie coming off a major injury. So what will essentially be a rookie coming off a major injury? At least he got the mental reps and he can know some things from that perspective, which is helpful. So I, I mean, I think expectations should be tempered. It wasn't like his tape was dominant in college, but it was very encouraging. I think. Uh, I think athletically, like there's a lot to get excited about. Some development needed for sure, but at that point, that's on the coaching staff and him to put in the work. So I think as long as he can get back healthy. I mean, he's definitely should be a starter for them this season. I'm going to be fascinated to see how quickly he adapts to the NFL because, like I said, I wouldn't have expected him to contribute a lot in his first year, and then he missed his first year with injury. So I'm really not sure what to expect right. now because there's the recovery process and the fact that he hasn't really practiced. So how quickly he gets up to speed will be fascinating. You mentioned the wide receiver class, and you like it. The Giants have two good starters in Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr. They have yeah. a running back that catches like a wide receiver in Saquon Barkley. They have Evan Ingram. So not a huge need, but... If they want to try to bring in somebody that has a bigger frame, kind of a 6'3", 6'4", possession type guy, or someone that Eli can throw a back shoulder throw to, somebody like that, day three guys, who do you like in this class that kind of fit that profile? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, he, and he may go earlier in this, it really will depend on how he runs, but J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I think he'll go third round, so maybe it's out of the uh, the Giants' range mm-hmm. there, but I, I mean, this he definitely has the ability. I mean, red zone, he dominates in that area. Like, he dominated Where is Stanford he from? In that, Stanford. Stanford. Yeah, and so he, he was very impressive there. Um, a weird player. He wins – 
contested catches in jump balls without jumping. It's very strange. He, like, boxes guys out and shields them off from the ball. It's like a rebounder who doesn't even jump. Like, he's seven feet tall. It's like Charles Oakley. Yeah, it's like that. Exactly. It's like that. It's his, that's his playing style, basically. So, a very unique player. You won't see many like him in college football. Very good off the line of scrimmage. Dominated the red area, like I said. Guy that can help you in the red zone a lot. So, he's one um, I would say I would, I would keep an eye on. And then, if you're looking for, like, the, there's a speed factor, you know, at day three for sure, you know, but Gary Jennings uh, from uh, from um, West Virginia. He's one that I, I mean he he looked good at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I think he came in at six one two fifteen. So he's got some size to him. Um, he's really well built. I was at Oklahoma WVU and the guy was uncoverable. I mean Oklahoma secondary obviously terrible, but the guy was uncoverable. <laughs> I mean like he was he made plays down the field left and right. I think he had two hundred thirty yards in the game or something like that. I mean he was just. I mean, I think his projection to the NFL is better than David Sills. I don't know if he's a better player right now. He drops the ball some. You're going to have to learn to live with some. But upside is there for sure with him. Size, the athleticism, like I said, speed. I think he's going to run pretty well, too, for a big guy. So he's another one I would look at as day three as a potential guy. Where do you think Doss winds up? Is he going to be off the board on day two? Because I think he's a bigger guy that runs great routes and, yeah. and knows how to get open. Yeah, I think he'll be there day three. He's another option. Yeah, I, okay. think, I think he'll be there day three. Just the wider receiver group being as good as it is. Now, if he tests great, I reserve the right to recant, but I, I I don't know that he'll test at an elite level or anything. So you'll just be a solid tester, I think, and he'll walk himself into that round four or five range, I think, and come off the board. Probably going to have to prove it on special teams, I think, but you're sure. right. There's some talent there, for sure, certainly, that NFL teams will be interested in and day three, and Giants could definitely be one of those teams. Sticking with wide receiver, you mentioned Oklahoma just a minute ago. Uh, Marquise Brown with the foot injury. Yeah, where, would, where would he have gone had he been able to work out here? I think he was first-round lock. Um, yeah, that, I, but then he weighed in at 166 pounds, and the reality is I think only five receivers have ever been at that weight. Wait, wait, wait. So, Today he weighed in at, yesterday, 100, yesterday, at 166 yeah, pounds. Yeah, yesterday. That's yeah. really slight. Really light, yeah. And, and Deshaun Jackson was the next closest of anybody that's been successful, wow. and I believe he was – 169 coming out, I think. Um, so it was close in weight, uh, and everybody kind of comps him to Sean Jackson anyway. So if you believe in Marquise Brown, you believe he's going to be Deshaun Jackson. That's kind of what he has to get to, you know, in terms D.D. of. D.D. Westbrook's probably another guy that's down there, too, right? Yeah, he yeah. was low, and he, you know, he hasn't done much. And there was a couple other guys. Tavon Austin was really low. Obviously, that's not a great call. Was Ross there, too? Um, he might have been in. No, he was a little bit heavier, I think. Was he? He's still in that bottom tier range. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Now, there is the, the situation with Marquise Brown with his foot, obviously. You mm-hmm. know, that, that's a significant injury. So that will, you know, I mean, I would think, I guess from a distance, I should say, it typically is a significant injury. Every player is a little bit unique. But also to consider with Marquise Brown, he may have lost some weight because he hasn't been able to train and, and, and exercise and do too. things mm-hmm. like he normally would. So. I'm sure that line will be used. NFL teams will want to ask him, what did you weigh in season? And how mm-hmm. much have you been able to consistently keep on? They'll do their due diligence there. But he's light. He's small for a receiver. So you're taking a super small receiver with who had a great year of production, a good year of production, and then a great year of production for Oklahoma, but has issues catching the football and tracking at times. So he has let some uh, had some drops. Uh, and also, he can't play through contact. You know, he's very small. So yeah. you, know, you saw in the Texas game, he was creating separation, and then he was letting corners play through his hands at the end of the year. So there's concerns with Marquise Brown, like, and, and there's health concerns with Mark because he is so small. And when he gets hit on the field, it's violent. Like he looks like he's getting <laughs> rocked. Um, so I would just be really hesitant to take a player like that as high as in the top 20 or a first-round lock, as he's been described. Um, I think there are better receivers in the class. 
also think he's a he's a good player that adds something to your receiving core if you can get him. So it's really, I think him more so, and players like him more so than any other players. That where where does that balance exist? Because you have a lot of speedsters in this class. McCole Hardman, you could probably get in the mid rounds, and mm-hmm. a lot of people would say if you're just looking for speed, you can you can grab somebody like that. There's a lot more to it than that, though. And Marquise Brown is a good route runner, and he's good after the catch. Those are two things that Michael Hardman has done some good things in that way, but he and others like him aren't as well-rounded and polished as a prospect as Marquise Brown. So there's that to factor in the evaluation as well. Final one for me, John. We know it's a great tight end class. Mm-hmm. T.J. Hawkinson could be the first skill guy off the board for all we know. Yep. He's, he's that good. The Giants have their receiver in Evan Ingram. Yep. If they're looking for a nice two-way tight end, that can block and do a little bit of something else on day three. Give me some names of guys they should keep an eye on sure. for. Foster Moreau, LSU. Man, this kid, untapped potential. He's super talented. Um, I think they barely used him at LSU. And LSU's offense is what it is. I think we right. all know that. You know, there's some limitations there for sure. sure. But he was a blocking guy who didn't get many opportunities as a receiver. I think he's going to really impress people in testing. I think he's going to be a better athlete than people think. I think he catches the ball really well. I think he has good routes. Um, you know, there's some rough edges to his game for sure. But I think he can help you as a blocker right away, but also then I think as a receiver he can help you too. Um, there's some other guys. You know, Tommy Sweeney from Boston College will get after people um, as a day three option at tight end. Um, I, I don't know if he'll be available day three, but Cahal Waring from San Diego State, his full name is actually – like 17 names. Saying, yeah. <laughs> but Cahill is the only one. I hope I'm even saying that right. But okay. he is. He, he So this kid played one year of football in high school. That's it. His senior year. He played water polo and basketball his whole life. Water polo. Water polo, yes. He was, <laughs> he was a beast at it. <laughs> so I hope. His, okay. all, his friend, all his friends graduate, right? And by the way, water polo, if you ever played it, incredibly difficult to play. So this kid in um, unbelievable shape. He, he all his friends graduated senior high school. They, they he said, "Why don't you come out for football?" He you know, his friends that were still in school, and he was like, "All right, I'll give it a shot." He had 21 catches that year, for like 575 yards. He averaged like almost 27 yards a catch as a tight end. His first year ever playing football at any level. So he gets offers right away, like from that, like some small schools, you know, nothing big. Right. He decides, "I'm going to walk on." I love football. I'm going to walk on at San Diego State. He walks on at San Diego State. They gave him like a preferred walk on. He earns a scholarship. They hardly ever threw him the ball. He, This kid put in so much time to get better as a blocker because he'd never done it at any level. Like Even in high school that one year, I don't think they hardly asked him to block at all. Wow. So he never really done it. You watch him all on right. tape now, Hell you would warned. think. Yeah, he, he can block. He has unbelievable size. He's also all-guns team. You know, he, he's got all the, right. he's got the pythons. Team. Yeah, he's got. Usually those guys don't work out arms, but he does. You can tell. But, no, he, he is a very talented player, and I think he's going to wow at testing. I think he's really going to surprise people. 6'6", six, six, can stretch the field, goes up and get, competes for the ball. He's my sleeper in this class all right quarterbacks aside my final question because i don't want to deal with any more haskins or more murray talk in fact we had you on the program a couple of months ago on the phone and, and we did a lot of gone murray through the quarterbacks. Exactly. so folks again he's not a top 10 guy for quarterbacks but he's, we not, know even it's first, he's not even a first round guy yeah. for quarterbacks right. so i I'm, I'm so glad because now i can sit here with somebody <laughs> who actually doesn't feel that way yeah okay? i don't feel the way but but in any event uh who are you most curious about now in the remaining portions of this combine we're now midway through yeah. what what are you really intrigued by is what what do you got to see in the last few days the wide receivers for sure uh separate who separates themselves from the wide receiver group i think that's the biggest thing for me you have such a glut you have aj brown you have keel harry you have riley ridley like how do these big guys separate themselves even metcalf i think he's most people's wide receiver one but you know, does he really blow the doors off it like everybody expects? Does Andy him to? Isabella break four two two? I don't think he does. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think he does. He's fast, but I don't think he's that fast. But 
at the same time, even the speedsters, you know, Hardman, Isabel, like say guys like that, like how do they separate themselves from each other? The receiving group is so close on tape uh, in terms of what they're able to do. They come from such varied offenses, some different skill sets too, but I really just want to see how these guys compare athletically. So that's the big thing for me. And then the other thing, breaking up Brian Burns, Josh Allen, and Ja'Kai Polite. Those know, three speed speed guys. That, and the weigh-ins today, Burns was 249, which was really good for him. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite was 258, which was unbelievable. I never thought he'd be that big. That might put him on the Giants' radar, him being that big. And he's only 6'2", so mm. that was impressive to me. Uh, and then I th- and Josh Allen was oh, like 262 or something like that, which is nice. insane. Um, so that – how those guys test and how they break up, that's huge for me. John, great stuff, my friend. Absolutely. com. Check it Thanks, out. Guys. You'll hear from John before the draft again on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll be right back with Brian Broaddus right after this. We're back here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Day three of the NFL Combine. Our next guest is Brian Broaddus, former NFL scout. Uh, show off the ring, former Super Bowl champion as well. That's from his days with the Packers. Yeah, there you go. And he, How about that? And he's also host of the Draft Show, which can be found, believe it or not, I'll whisper this, on DallasCowboys.com. Yeah, I appreciate but, that. But they well, – That's why he's got the Dallas shirt on. You can well, see actually, the blue. I, no, I got and a little, I got a little blue. Giants blue, I, I, I wore, Yeah, I, I felt like I might be on with you guys today, so I wore the blue. Yes. Okay. Big blue. So, but the good thing about the Draft Show, and if folks, if, if you like – Draft stuff, they do all the prospects. I listen to it every week. It's once a week. It's a great, great show. He's on with Dane Brugler, our guy, yeah. on the draft show, and David Hellman. So they, they do a real good job well, with thank that. Thank you for that. Appreciate no that. problem. All right, Brian, let's start here. We just had somebody try to sell us on Ja'Kai Polite, and I listened to the draft show, uh. and I know you're going to fight back on that. You don't think you have a second-round grade on him, right? Well, I tell do. Tell me why. You know, I, I, the, the problem I have with him is that, to me, I look at his weight, you know, and, I, and I'm trying to think about – I'm, I'm looking at a guy that I that if you're going to be 249 pounds, I want to see you consistently win on the edge. And I, I've seen times where he, and especially in the SEC, I've seen him get hooked up on guys and not even not even sniff. And I and that that bothers me. Again, I do not see that elite type of a player. If you're going to take somebody that high. I worry about him now. He was a guy at one time was in his two hundred. He was two seventy. Yeah, he played and, the three and, technique, right? Yeah, one and, year? exactly. And then went back. And I'm and I'm just I just the the thing that bothers me the most about him is is again a two hundred forty nine pound guy. I don't I just don't see him winning with as much consistency. And, and trust me, I've had people tell me about this go on and on and on. And at the one thing at the Cowboys, they, they treat me like a scout. I get all that tape. I've watched everything. And I and I just still it bothers me about him. There is some first, first step quickness and stuff, but he I don't see a counter move to that though. It, what, what, it, what's the counter move I, to I'm, the first step? I don't I, see I it. I don't see it. It, 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 it. He gets off the ball and then he gets hooked, or I mean, gets locked up. He has no ability to disengage. Even and as it, a looper, he doesn't uh, get home. I just it, it bothers me, and I know a lot. This is I was hopeful, guys. I was hopeful that I was going to come to the combine, and then people were going to say, you know, sometimes the media scouts then catch up with the real scouts. Right, right, you know, right. Then you get the, you know, the, the real scouts walk up to you and go, I heard you like this polite guy. What, what's the story? You, 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 what tape you watching? You know, and I'm just using him as an example. Right. Because then the media scouts then leave here, and then they go, oh, okay, that's what I was missing. Oh, you know, so sometimes, like I say, I, I think we, we, we have that initial push where the media scouts love a guy, and then in, when it, by the time we get to the end of the 
where we're really having the draft, it's like, well, maybe not this guy, maybe not this guy, maybe not this guy. Well, this is one edge rusher in Polite who you're obviously more down on than others. Are right. there other guys? Because we keep hearing that the edge rushers are going to be right up there at the top of the yeah. draft. There's a bunch of them. Are there other guys you want to debunk as well? Well, I, to me, I think this – I really do like the group of offense and – excuse me, the defensive ends and the defensive tackles. I think if you have to get defensive – line help in this draft and again i know the cowboys they're they're looking at defensive tackles right now and then you know depending on what happens with you know with randy gregory it may be looking at ends as well but i i think that overall though there it's a it's a solid group i just don't like polite as much as i mean i mean people have really just shoved him way up the board and i'm like you know I, the kids sweat i like him just i like him when i watch him play at mississippi state I see a guy that might be 250 pounds, but I see him getting off blocks. I see him getting the He edge. plays with power. He plays with power. Mm-hmm. You watch him play the run, and I think in this day and age, you've got to be able to set the edge. That was one of the great things about Jason Pierre-Paul to me. When I watched him play, it was hard to get outside of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would find a way to extend. He could rush the passer. He would give Tyron Smith all kinds of fits. And then what he's giving him fits as a pass rusher grabbing the edge, he's also, like, you know, stabbing him at the run and playing wide. And he doesn't let you get past him. I just worry about guys like him, Plight, guys like that. I, I think that there's some defensive ends in this draft that, that can do those kinds of things. And so I'm, I'm okay if, if people are putting guys up on the board, the Boses, the Allens, the Garys, those kinds of guys, I'm, up, I'm okay with those guys being on those draft boards as high as they are. But, again, I have that problem with that Polite. All right, I'm a feral guy. Are you with him, too? I, you know what? If you watch him play against Jonah Williams, if you watch the national championship game, you will fall in love with Farrell. You, yeah. You're absolutely – and your, your eyes are not wrong there because you do see him extend. You do see him with the power. You do see him get off – I mean, there's a couple of times – He depleted the kid. He, he drove him completely back. I mean, again, he plays with leverage. For a big, tall guy, he plays with leverage. He plays – he's got the length. You know, there's people say, oh, he was a little up and down. But if he's taken, uh, if he's taken out a offensive tackle, that I think is one of the top offensive tackles in this draft, and 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 beating him up pretty good, he's going to hit my consideration. Brian, here's what I have trouble with, and as a former scout, you're the perfect guy to talk to about this. When I watch this tape, and I'm still learning, I'm figuring this stuff out. Yeah. Right? You watch Rashawn Gary, you watch Ed Oliver. Yeah. You just don't see the production. You don't see consistent right. pressure. You don't see them getting home. Right. How do you evaluate? what traits can eventually turn into production at the next level? Yeah. Because some guys never figure it out, but some guys do. Yeah, this thing about, okay, with Gary, are you looking at him as possibly even for production to play maybe some under tackle or three you know technique? What? That's where I would like to put him, at yeah. the three technique yeah. and pass situations. Yeah. See, that's that's where if you're going to, you know, and we we being Dallas drafted uh, Taco Charlton, you know, and, and still waiting for that, still waiting for that, and, you know, people say, well, he didn't have production. He didn't do it. And they're right. And But I look at Gary and I'm thinking, I see I see better power. I see better quickness. I see the edge again to get. But I also see a guy, if you put him at the under tackle or the three technique in certain situations, he can get to the quarterback. John Gruden, I was, I was talking with John uh, just yesterday. John's like, you know, these defensive tackles are, are becoming more important than the defensive ends because they're, people are putting them on the shoulders and they're getting their attack in the middle yeah, of the pocket. Pressure up the middle. Pressure up the middle. Quarterbacks cannot, with the way the quarterbacks are nowadays, the athletes that they are, they're able to avoid the outside pressure. It's the inside pressure that's giving them problems. So a guy like Gary Oliver was another one. I mean, I, I personally look at Oliver and I'm like, 
you know, I people were going to compare him because of the height and all that, you know, with Aaron Donald. And I, I just don't see that. You saw he weighed in at 287 today? Same. Basically, no. you know, if you look at the measurables for, for Aaron Donald when he came out, he was 285, I believe, when he came out. And mm-hmm. so, But I just don't see that type of a player. You know, I see a player that's has got some quickness. I see the player that's got is an explosive guy. But again, I worry about it as all the time with him, and I and I, I just feel like though the guy, I mean, I, the guy I feel bad for that he got hurt was the Simmons kid, yeah. you know, from from Mississippi State. If you're talking about defensive tackles, because then Quentin Williams is like at the top on a lot of guys' list, but I didn't think that Simmons was that far away from him watching him play. You give me a guy that's going to play square. Yeah, I mean, that's why when I'm watching these guys play, I want to see defensive linemen where I can see their jersey number and their name the whole time, playing square, play square, mm-hmm. play square. Don't get turned. Guys that get turned, that's why it was snacks. It was hard for us you to play. We can't turn, we can't no. turn snacks. No. I mean, you talk to you talk to Zach Martin and, and Travis Reddick. What's, I go, what's the hardest thing about playing snacks? He goes, he doesn't get turned. You know, right. he's square. And you, you give me guys like Williams and Simmons and those guys that play inside. Gary, to the point a little bit, too, that play square along the line of scrimmage and don't get turned. Those are goes to the type of defensive lineman you need. Well, let's stay with the interior of the defense. The LSU. Are we taking, are we taking defensive linemen here early? Is this what we're talking about? <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> I, th- I think it's on the table. <laughs> it, would, it would have to be. But but also, uh, it's been made clear by Dave Gettleman, who yeah. says how Love many times. Love Dave, by the way. Well, Love old Dave. school guy, of course. Dave and I go way, way back together. Old NFL Europe days. Uh, traveling no around, yeah, when he was a pro personnel guy. Dave and I are. I, I love your general manager. I really do. That's really cool. Well, Dave always says, you know, to get that pass rush, though, you got to stop the, the run first. Absolutely. Because if you don't do that, the pass rush is worthless. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about the LSU linebacker who really, you know, a lot of people think, wow, very dynamic. Now, Brian's an LSU guy, so be careful here. I, that's yeah, why I'm bringing yeah, it yeah, up because, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not even going to name him. I'm just going to say the LSU linebacker. Yeah. Uh, because he's very athletic, he's very aggressive, yeah. sometimes too aggressive, That's a- but but there's a guy who, between the tackles, can do a lot of damage. I'll tell you what, you've done some really good scouting here so far. That's very good. That's a very good eye for this player. Yeah, Devin White is, and even as an alum, I've, I've had my moments where he's an, he's an incredible athlete. You're right. The over-aggressiveness, I think, is going to be a problem for him because he, he wants to get there so badly and then he will overrun plays. He will overrun the hole. He will over. I don't think this is a very good li- a very good year for linebackers in general. If you're a team that needs linebacker help, you know the Bush kid at Michigan. I mean, there's some smaller, shorter type guys. But with Devin White, though, again, I, I love the kid. He's a great hard worker. I love the fact he played in our bowl game. He could have sat that thing out. But you're absolutely right. The, the, the things that, that bother me the most about him is I don't know how well he really covers. Mm. I think that's – Because he know, has the speed to do it. He has the speed, but I don't think he's going to give you everything you want as a, like a three-down player. Interesting. So That's keep, a problem yeah, in the league these that days. Is, that is a problem in the league, so keep an eye on that. But I, I know one thing that he will do that, that a lot of linebackers don't. He's able to create turnovers. You know, you watch him. When he tackles, he's got a pop to him. He's got wrap. He's got one of those guys that's not afraid to punch the ball. He will try and create things for you, a, a defense, to get off the field. But, but again, I would keep an eye on how well he really covers as a as in the passing game. That that has been there's been a lot of things with LSU. They brought him on some blitzes and stuff. So and Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator, has brought him so he doesn't have to play in coverage. Okay, underneath zone stuff, but with having to run with guys and stay in position, keep an eye on See, that. See, now, if you're uncertain about that, that kind of puts him out of the top 15, doesn't it? 
Well, someone's going to fall in love with the fact that the production. They're going to fall in love with the tackles. They're going to fall in love with the physicality. They're going to fall in love with the speed. They're going to, but it, when you really, really, really dig in on him, and I know you guys will, he, he's going to, he's going to, there's going to be some times you're like, oh, he just, he, there's separation. Oh, he's got to get, you know, he wasn't where he needed to be. Oh, you know, yeah. the crossing around. He wasn't aware what was going on. And, you know, that I think that's where I think the, the scouts, when they get into the room, they start talking about it. and But by just by naturally by, the I think, the lack of depth at the position, that he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, is, of course. Overdrafted. Top, uh, yeah, probably overdrafted a little bit. Yeah. Any day three linebackers you like if you're looking for somebody that has the potential to eventually become a guy that can play on third down for you, you as know, a coverage guy? Or, or maybe you like a guy that's a run stopper on first and second down. See, this is this is a guy that won't be for your team because Gettleman's a side speed guy, but the David Long, the kid from West Virginia, mm. the, the linebacker, he was, you might have seen him in the senior bowl. I did bowl. see him at the senior bowl. He was he's, good. He's a 5'11 guy. Again, Dave loves big players. He's a West Virginia kid. Uh, he said the other day, "Big Ben, it's a big man's game." It's that a was big man's game, and and but I'm looking, at, you know, I'm trying to think of like with with my team, it's it's about speed. Rod Marinelli comes from that Tampa, you know, the Derek Brooks, mm-hmm. you know, that with the smaller, mm-hmm. faster. Sure, but yeah, if you want, if like I say, I, I look at I look at a guy like Long, and I'm, I'm thinking, give me a guy that can run, give me a guy that can finish. Give me a guy that will put himself in position to tackle. I mean, he's again, he's not a very, very big guy, but that that that's kind of the, where I'm thinking right now. If they if they draft a guy, you know, uh, Covington was a kid that we took last year from Indiana. That's a little bit bigger guy, but same kind of thing. Run, hit linebackers. That's what you're going to have to go. For. Devin Singletary just ran a four six six on his first run. By the way, I'm sure he wants a better time than that on his second go. You know, what did you think about him when you watched? Him? I haven't had a chance. Honestly, yeah, you, you, I, don't, you don't watch him. Well, you don't watch play yet? We, we we drafted Saquon Barkley last year. I don't think running backs a very big I, factor I, but in I, but our draft but board. But, <laughs> when I talk to you, you're like a full. You're full. You know. You know it I all. Do. So yeah, I, I, I have not gone to the running back. Yet, yeah, I'm getting there. Well, you, I don't blame you though. I, your running back was my favorite running back, so and that's the that's the fear that we have now of you know of having to compete against the Giants is that you know that they went out and much like what the Cowboys did, you know, and you you can you can lean on that running game and, and the fact that how well Barkley catches the ball out of the backfield and how that puts so much pressure. You talk about linebackers having or having to deal with that. That's just a totally different. A scheme that you have to play against, with, especially with, the, with him in the passing game. Well, it's funny because of, of your Cowboys connection. Obviously, we're a Giants program. Right. We're talking about two organizations that said, look, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah. You can hang your hat on those guys. Right. There's nothing wrong with making them yeah. a very high draft choice yeah. counter to some people who are like, no way in the world am no. I taking a running back that high. No, it's it, it, Dave did the absolute right thing. Dave had a plan for what he wanted to do with the running back. We in Dallas drafted Ezekiel Elliott for Tony Romo. It just so happened that Tony Romo got hurt in a preseason game. You know, we were trying to extend the career of of Tony Romo, and it just so happened, though, it helped bridge to Dak Prescott is what it did. So having a running back that's uh, dynamic, can is a complete back. I mean, with Barkley, you watch him. He's just as good a pass blocking. I mean, what I saw at Michigan – excuse me, at uh, Penn State – uh, it was just as good. Complete back. I mean, it's it's difficult to play against guys like that. We'll have to deal with that for a long time. All right, I got one more yeah, before go ahead, we go because yeah. I know we're running out of time. Okay. You know Gettleman really well. I do. So I'm not going to let you get out of here, <laughs> okay, without giving us a gut feeling 
for how he feels at number six. We've heard all the chatter yeah. about how I do want to get a franchise quarterback right. for Eli, you know, to mentor and then do what Ernie did and leave here with a legacy. We've yeah. heard that. We've also heard him say, I won't force the issue. And we also know he loves hog mollies. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I've, yeah. I've laid it out for you. Yeah. Where's he going? You know, I, I think that to me with Dave, he, he's going to take a big school guy for sure. He loves guys, again, the height, weight, speed guys. You know, I, you know, to me, I mean, he, he's, he needs to fix that offensive line. I think he needs that. That's something that he has to, he has to think about. Not just for this quarterback, for for, for the years to come, though. Sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm just I'm kind of, I don't I'm caught between if he were to go defense. I you know he could of course go either way, but I I don't know why he wouldn't take a look take one of those offensive tackle whoever whichever one that he likes. Who's your favorite right tackle in the draft? I personally I, I like Taylor. Myself. That's what literally 90% of the people we've had on today, yeah. I think Taylor's their best tackle. Taylor, I, I mm-hmm. think that to me, though, and I and I, I just, you know, he's he's done some things. You know, he just needs to he needs to help his current quarterback, but he needs to help the future quarterback, sure. whoever, whoever that is. And, and help and, block for Saquon, and quite help, frankly. And help block for Saquon, though. The, 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 this team, the, the Giants have always, always, and again, I had the great fortune working with Bill Parcells at the Cowboys, always been a team that had the best offense and defensive lines. Always, and they need to get back to that. Though I, I would, I would take, like I say, I would, look, I would surely look at the Taylor kid from, from, from Florida. We know he's old school because he loves the trenches. <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> right? I, and, that's, no, no. and that's why I love you being here. I pre- no, I appreciate you guys having me on again. I, I, I have so much respect for your man to your left and what he does and how you guys study the draft. And I, again, it's a real pleasure. We've been friends for a while now, and this is really the first opportunity I've ever had to come and be on. So. I thank you for well, you. We'll have you again before the draft. I hope so. Great thank to you, see you. Ryan Great to see you. brought us the draft show. Check it out on your favorite podcast networks. We'll be right back with Rick Saratella from the NFL Draft Bible, and we'll be right back. We're back here at the NFL Combine, day three, our final two-hour program. Only 20 minutes remaining. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino. It's all presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. And now we're joined by Rick Saratella, formerly of the NFL Draft Bible. But where can we find your work now? Yeah, I partnered up with the NFL Draft Scout dot com guys this year which so is rob rang in his group yes yeah. absolutely uh rob's a friend of the program very well respected and uh you know we'll actually have the nfl draft bible publication on the nfl draft scout so i'm happy about that first time you do a draft guy in how many years about a decade it's been yeah I, I like to say you know we've been cranking it the last 10 months but it's really been about 10 years in the making now since the last time i did a draft guide and you know, I traveled the country. I, I put a little bit of a unique uh, take to the draft guide. I'm going to have probably close to 100 interviews. Oh, that's cool. As you guys know, I've traveled, you know, from the media days to the to the games, to the all-star process, to different training facilities all over the country, and just getting to know these guys, putting their story out there. And, uh, you know, I think the big thing with the draft, why you see so many first-round misses, you, you can't gauge what's here and you can't measure what's here. So, yes. you know, the more you get to know these guys, the – the little bit of advantage that you can get, it, it goes a long way. Well, it's interesting you say that because Dave Gettleman says for him the most important thing a guy could have, obviously the tape is huge, but instincts. Yeah. And and you can't, can't teach it. You, no. That's not just go to the supermarket and pick it up off the shelf. And so, you know, you could change your height and weight. You could change your speed. You can't change your instincts. Correct. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a big thing. And obviously uh, – the, the one-on-one meetings and the medical is a big part of it, probably the biggest part of it, and 
Unfortunately, we don't have access to that. But the way the combine yeah, showing, hey, yeah. before you know it, they're going to have cameras live streaming in the in the war room and everything. So, <laughs> we we have talked over the these three days uh, about you know the, the significance of the combine, and and I've been bringing up a couple of stats to some of the folks. Thirty eight snubs from last year's combine were drafted. A third of the guys who were at this combine last year did not get drafted. Uh, so this is not the be all end all. So from your perspective. Um, the value of the combine as compared to pro days, mm-hmm. where where do you rank them on the basis that certainly there are a lot of very highly thought of players who won't work out here or won't even be here? And I, w- I want to add all-star games to that equation, too. Okay, that's all, fair. All, all that non-game tape stuff. How do mm-hmm. you rank them? Well, I'll give you another stat real quick. There's more undrafted free agents in the league right now than fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks combined. Did not know that Is one. Is that true? Yep. Well, as long as we're going with the stats. One-third of all NFL rosters consist of undrafted free One-third. That's a good number, Rick. I I, I did see this number, Rick. 16 undrafted free agents on the Patriots and 14 on the Rams in this past Super Bowl. There you go. I mean, holy smokes. Hey, I tell you what. The undrafted free agent process, which really begins day three, I think teams start calling the agents. Oh, absolutely they do. And and getting those deals. I think that's more difficult but just as important as the draft because now you're bringing in 20 guys in addition to your draft picks and a lot of these guys are going to go on and have a significant impact on your roster so but to answer your question i think 80 percent at least your grade is your game film that's your resume then you get to the all-star games and you get to see the smaller school guys compete against the bigger school guys how they adapt to that and you see, you know, it, who's the alpha male? Who's the cream of the crop? Cream always rises to the top. That's what I love about the all-star selection process. Then you get here, and it's an apples to apples, orange to orange. We're all running on the same surface. We're all testing at the same thing. And it's, it's really just checking off the boxes as you go, right? Elijah uh, Holyfield just ran a 4.79. Am I worried about it? Not really. Because he ain't that guy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like Ernest Bonner, like, Ernest Bonner used to say, hey, you need three yards, I'll get you three. You need four yards, I'll get you three. You know, <laughs> and that's who Elijah Holyfield is. So, I <laughs> know he's got some punch. <laughs> yeah, real deal. We made it easy on a lot of other guys. We talked about a lot of top ten guys, top of the draft. We know you dig deep on the small school oh, yeah. guys and the little guys. So that's how we that's how we figure a good way to kind of FCS specialties. Oh yeah, baby, yeah, yes. So we think we wrap up with you on some of the guys that nobody's talking about. Okay, who? Let's start with this because we, we we got this from Tony Paul and he gave us a few names and Tony's great on these little guys too. Who should have been here? That's not. Ooh, wow. Well, let's start in our own backyard. Wesley Hills from the Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. I mean, this guy was outstanding at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. About six foot, two and change. Man, he's got an incredible backstory. Uh, we'll have that in the draft guide. But, you know, he, he did outstanding at the NFLPA. Got a call up to the Senior Bowl. Did very well there. And Jeff Foster, if you're listening, I don't know why this guy's not in town. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Dogby from Temple. I mean, this guy is one of the biggest freaks in the entire country. Uh, what he's going to do at his pro day is going to be ridiculous. And he's a guy, he can play inside, he can play outside. You want D-lineman? D-lineman. You, you can call him poor man's Rashawn Gary. You know, okay. but, but, you know, I mean, his strength and speed combination, here's the deal, too. 
Matt Rule's very well respected in the NFL sure he community. Is. Absolutely. If you take a look at his track record and the type of players he constantly churns out, he's an original Matt Rule guy, and he's going to be polished, ready to play. Listen, this guy, we talked about the undrafted free agents making an impact. If he doesn't get drafted, he's going to be making an impact for somebody's roster. And it, no, go ahead. Miles no, Gaskin, go, go, by go, the go. way, a four six and a four five nine on his two runs. I'm sure he wanted to do a little. I'm sure he wanted to break under four five five. And um, you know, I mean, listen, there's going to be a lot of guys uh, that aren't here that should be here, but you know, that's why I'd like to see them do some kind of uh, combine expansion. You know, I know they're doing the the, the, the regional one, regional, right? regional yeah, yeah. Kansas. City. Why not have them here? Why not get the apples to apples, orange to orange comparison? Have them here. Well, there's what 330 something players here now. Correct. How many do you want? I mean, how many? I mean, when you cut down from 90 guys to 53, there, there, how many jobs are getting lost? Where do you find these guys? I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's I, hard. We start with 3,500 players and we chop them down to the top 500. Mm-hmm. All right, I've been waiting for three days to ask you about this player because I, I wasn't sure how many other people would know about him, but I know you do. And I haven't set this up, folks, so I hope I don't disappoint here with Rick. Put him on the spot. Donald Parham, mm. tight end from Stetson. Yeah. 6'8", 240 pounds. I told you about him at the Senior Bowl. Coming off an ankle injury. Right. Unbelievable production and a freakish uh, frame. Mm. Well, his agent's going to be mad at me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just I don't see a position for him at the next level. You don't, I despite don't. the fact that he really tore up FCS. He's just awkward looking. Okay. Uh, guy can't block a fly. Skinny ankles. I mean, fragile. He got hurt at the Senior Bowl, right? I mean, he couldn't even finish the week there. Right. So how how, how is he going to hold up a six foot seven, six foot eight guy trying to block these guys in the trenches? I don't see it. And he's not fast enough to play wide receiver. He's kind of like Faison Odom from Fordham a few years ago, if you guys remember him. Big, tall, pass-catching tight end, uh, you know, tight end and a wide receiver body, just not fast enough to play out there and make a living, and, and I just don't see it as a tight end. So, unfortunately, I'm sorry, Donald, but uh, I'm going to take a pass. Okay. That's fine. Give, me, <laughs> give me some day three bigger wide receivers. If you're looking for a guy that Eli can throw up to win – you know, at the point of attack, maybe a back shoulder throw here or there with that big frame catch radius. Who do you like day three guys that could fit that equation? A day three guy with a tall catch radius. You know, um, this kid Anto An Antoine Wesley, he's a small school kid, uh, incredible highlight playmaker. Um, I really think he's going to do some big things. Um, you know, running through the list in my head off the top, it, it's hard to, to Where do you think Keelan Doss is going to go? Keelan Doss, there you go. I saw him at the NFLPA Cleveland yeah. Bowl. And he was also at the Senior Bowl, too. And, yeah, well, okay, well, he established himself at the NFLPA. Yeah. I thought he was one of the top receivers, along with Ola B.C. Johnson. Mm -hmm. There's a name, Colorado State. That was the most popular man in, in Pasadena. He met with every single team. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to get drafted. And I don't think he's here. So that's another guy to keep a lookout What's for. his name again? Ola B.C. Johnson. Ola B.C., I like it. Hard to forget that one. <laughs> I think they might call him Mosey for short. Yeah, good move. Well, let me let me ask you this, just for our local fans uh, as well, kind of different kind of question. Uh, anyone from, from Rutgers who we're not hearing much about who may have an opportunity yeah. to uh, crack an NFL roster? 
Yeah, and Delvin Randall from Temple is not here, a safety, but Rutgers has a safety that's here, I think, Saquon Hampton. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like his uh, his field leadership. You, you watch him play, he's always getting players lined up in the right position. He could play in the box. Um, so I, I like Saquon Hampton a lot. The kid Isaiah Wharton is under the radar. I don't think he's getting drafted, but I like his man coverage abilities. Um, bless, on, uh, bless on Austin. He's a big, tall, lanky corner very high on the NFL radar before the season began, had an injury. I mean, teams had day two grades on this kid. Where is he from? Rutgers. Rutgers, okay. Now, I don't know what the medical is going to look like here, but, I mean, there's a guy, day three, potential. And then Tariq Cole, uh, the left tackle, who, you know, uh, had his moments, you know. Um, I think he's another guy that falls into that priority free agent mix. But there's a guy like a a Chad Wheeler that you just kind of bring in and, and see what he can give you. All right, let's go to the easy stuff. Um, let's start, and we should wrap up with, I think, some of the big guys that Giant fans want to hear about who they might go with their first-round pick. So let's go there before we say goodbye. Mm. Your thoughts on the top two quarterbacks or the top quarterback group? Who do you have, and, and where do you think their value lies in this draft? Well, I have huge concerns about Daniel Jones' arm velocity, and I'm not a huge fan of Drew Locke and all his you know, back foot throwing. Inconsistent, right? Yeah. Yep. It, it, mm-hmm. and, and, and the longer Drew Locke sits, the, more, the better I feel about him being a starter at the next level. But for me, it's Haskins is the guy. I mean, that's a franchise quarterback in my opinion. And, you know, if I'm going to choose one guy, that would be the guy. And then, you know, Kyler Murray is my number two, but it has to be the right kind of situation, the right setup, a Marcus Mariota moving pocket where they build the mm-hmm. offense around him. Right. And I think it can be successful. So for me, it's Haskins uh, one and Murray two. Where do those top two guys rank compared to the quarterbacks from last year for you? You know, I think Haskins would be in the mix for the top guy I really do I know a lot of people don't feel that way but I think this guy was shot out of a cannon I was telling people after a couple weeks they said hey hold your horses don't get too giddy but I said man what don't you like about this guy now his deep balls are are a little you know fluttering sometimes but you know hey I'm nitpicking here um Kyler Murray you know I just think it's if if it was last year I think it might be a different story but I think this is the best year to be a short quarterback because of the Baker Mayfield. Right, and Russell right, 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 like, right. Yeah, this is the year where if you told me Kyler Murray was going number one, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, it's fashionable right now because of that. All right, so where would the Oregon kid, Herbert, have ranked if he had come out? We'll project you on that one. Yeah, I think he would be number two, Salute. Um, Thank you. You know, and he's a guy – I think he made the right decision going back. I know that people say, hey, what are you, crazy? The quarterback class is so strong next year. But you know what? This time last year, everybody thought Jarrett Stidham was a first-round pick. So things are going to move and shake. It is funny how that goes, right? right? Mm-hmm. To, to, the Alabama kid, everybody was on him until Trevor Lawrence came around. Right? <laughs> right? Now he's a top <laughs> right. dog. So, right. hey, there's going to be somebody. Nobody was talking about Dwayne Haskins in August. Right. There's going to be somebody who shoots out of the can next year, too. So, hey. And some people think that transfer to Ohio State, the Hughes kid from Georgia that could be a yeah. breakout player next year, Correct. right? Correct. And uh, there's a kid over in Washington, too, uh, that transferred from Georgia. So, I mean, this this transfer portal, this is a whole other nature of the beast trying to keep <laughs> up with these guys, too. All right. If the Giants don't go quarterback, let's go to pass rusher next, and then I'll let Paul take care of the hog models on the offensive line. Okay. After you get past Allen and Bosa, I'm assuming they're your top two edge guys for you. Who do you? Who's your next guy in that list, and why? Hey, 
Local well, flavor. Bring bring Rashawn Gary home, man. You like Gary, I huh? like yeah. Gary. And I, I don't know how much he fits the Jane Betcher uh, defense here. But I'll tell you what, he fits Dave Gettleman, though. Big, strong, and fast. Hey, listen, this guy, I've been saying it. It's, it feels like I've been saying it for two years now. I'm so excited for this week because I, I've been saying Rashawn Gary is going to have a combine for the ages. I mean, he's going to blow the roof off of Lucas Oil State, and this guy's going to run faster than 70% of the running backs here. Okay. At close to 300 pounds. And you I think, think he's going to break four five five, or four six? Oh, definitely. Wow, that's that's something. He's two eighty six. It's incredible. <laughs> this guy, and that's why I say, you know, he might not be the prototypical fit, but just like J.J. Watt in Houston, you know, they kind of used him in that hybrid role. So you think you can move him inside to a three technique on pass downs? I for think sure. you can play that guy anywhere you want. Okay. All what? right. Final question. Yeah. We're getting more heat. For Taylor at right tackle, if the Giants were to go there at number six, I'll take Jonah Williams all day. But I hear really, you. yeah. Tell me why. I just think he's the most polished tackle prospect. Watching the film, I, I, I you know, I don't see you know. It, it, Is he a thing. right tackle? There's not enough good offensive linemen, you know, coming out who. Who, if he's not a left tackle, then who is in this draft? Because they're not a good, not a good. Yeah, but they need more tackle. right one than they do well, a left listen, one. Listen, he could play any tackle though. Can he? I believe so. All right. You know, there's there, all this fugazi nonsense about his alligator fugazi arms. Fugazi nonsense. Man. I Let love it. Let me tell it. you something. I heard this uh, <laughs> leading up to the draft, what, in 2010 with Brian Bulaga. That's all I heard. He's got alligator arms. Oh, we heard that about Justin Pugh, too. Yeah. And, and what has he done the last decade? He started 91 right? games at tackle, Brian Bulaga. Exact same measurements. <laughs> Final one. Second round, where are the Giants going to find value? Better chance of an o- uh, of an offensive tackle or a defensive end getting to them in that second round with a chance to get a, a guy that they can play right away? Well, it's a loaded defensive end class. So you think that better shot there? Well, you know, I'll tell you, I'll throw a sleeper candidate, and it's not a tackle, but it's an offensive lineman, this kid Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. Yeah. We had somebody telling us that he's like a mini he's Chris nasty. State. Yeah. He's yeah. nasty. And I think if you put him and Will Hernandez inside with Barkley, I mean, I like that. Good stuff. Rick, always fun oh, to have you. Thanks, Rick. You yeah. And we'll definitely, we'll definitely talk to you before the draft to, to promote your of NFL course. draft oh, by yeah, when I it comes that. out. I'll see and you at uh, Giordano's later, Paisan. All right, <laughs> man. Be good. That's Rick Sabatel. We thank you for joining us on Giants.com. As we wrap up our draft coverage from Indianapolis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to all our guests over the course of the last three days. Paul, we had a lot of fun. It has been terrific. We hope we brought you enough information so that you're much more, uh, well, let's say, ready for the draft. You can see all the individual interviews up on Giants.com. Make sure you check it out. Me and Paul will tweet those out as well. And then, of course, you can find the complete show on any of your podcast networks. We'll get that up for you as quickly as possible. Thanks for being part of the show the last three days from the Combine and Indy. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks again to all our guests. We'll see you on Monday back in East Rutherford.